We're, we're live. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Let's see. Let's do it. Yeah. Ready. Justin Whaley's yeah. not ready because he can't get his shit figured out. <laughs> we got one guy. Well, right. I mean, there's more than that because BK's been over there for a while talking. There's three. I'll share it on my my stuff real quick too. That way we've maybe we can draw some people in. We'll see. Justin's back. There's Justin. All right. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> ah, clicked on the wrong fucking name. Hey Justin, if you uh if you got your phone, you might share the link on your Facebook too. Not the StreamYard link, but wherever so it's streaming the on Facebook. Where's it streaming at, by the way, Phil? Uh, the Phil Billy Moonshine channel on Facebook, and the Phil Billy Moonshine channel on YouTube. Okay. Well, I am on my phone, so I don't know how if that will mess it up. If... <laughs> it it does mess it up. It does. Yeah, don't do that. It's bad. No, don't do <laughs> it. Don't do it. I don't know if I if I go to share that if it's going to mess anything up. Don't do it. It's bad. Don't. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, the StreamYard is to join. That link is to join. You guys can come in and ask questions. I'd like to uh, – people keep trying to call me. I don't know if they trying to get in here. But I'd like to give uh, a Billy Reed a shout-out because he gave me this idea. Uh, and the minute, the minute he gave me the idea – uh, I immediately thought about Alan Bishop and, uh, and Alan brought the crew. These guys are awesome. Uh, if you guys got any questions, come on in, uh, feel free to ask the, the professionals. Yeah. We tried to bring Wayne from Ozark Steelworks, but he's, uh, <clears throat> he's traveling and can only communicate via carrier pigeon apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he commented, uh, Wayne said, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to keep trying. We have a shitty signal in the golf. Likely excuse. Guy can wine copper like nobody else, but he can't figure out a cell phone. Right. I know. Did you see that new thing he made, man? That, that thing's badass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait till yeah. you see wait till you see the next wave of stuff that uh, he's working on and, and we're coming up with ideas for. There's, there's cool shit coming. He, he's taking D flags to the next fucking level, dude. I mean... Mm -hmm. My favorite is the uh, uh, the Mister, uh, not the Mister Fusion, but the other one, um, the Shocker. The Shocker, dude, I love the fucking Shocker. The minute I seen it, I almost bought one, <laughs> and I build steel parts for a fucking living now. Mm -hmm. But I was like, God damn, dude, I'm about to get one in for my tank steel. And yeah, I don't well, even really run it that much anymore. But Wayne and I have worked on a, a lot of a lot of different things because I I have a lot of ideas, but I can't build worth a shit, and Wayne can build and. A lot of what Wayne is doing, people don't realize <clears throat> it's very, very old. It's very, very old in, in the art of distillation. Some of the stuff that we're working on is actually um, like the inline thumper retort system. Some of the, the technology for that goes back to at least the 1700s, if not the 1600s, just stuff that people have forgotten about. So, um, Which I'll interject and say that thing is awesome. Yes, it's going to be even cooler once we can actually run <clears throat> multiple ones of them because it'll do it'll do everything a three chamber does, but it will do it. I wouldn't say better; it'll do it differently, more in, more intensively, basically. So, 
but yeah, I'm all I'm all about uh, what Wayne's doing with those arc still works and uh, Jason at 13 stills. Jason's another one of those people I can reach out to if I have an idea, and he's all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, I like seeing his pictures, man. I see his pictures all the time mm -hmm. on uh, Facebook. I love yeah, he... seeing pictures of stills. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's always cool to look at what somebody else is doing. You know, even even if they're people that aren't like really, really, you know, advanced into the art or anything, just even just simple moonshine setups and just look at what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I almost always can learn something from it. So no matter how much I know about it, there's always something I can pick up from what other people are doing. Hell yeah. So <clears throat> you drinking anything over there, Whiskey Shaman? What you got? Oh, uh, right now I got a beer. Because it's freaking hundred degrees out here, and I'm trying to cool off. But yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll be breaking into something in a minute for sure. No, no freezer shots going on today. No, no, not today, not today. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm drinking drinking absinthe because I ate something yesterday that tried to kill me. So I'm hoping this will fix the problem. We'll kill see. It before it kills you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get get rid of all the bad. So. Phil, how did you uh, how did you get uh, into the distilling game, into the moonshine game? I seen a I seen an ad um, on on I think eBay or something mm -hmm. for a still, and uh, I've always liked drinking moonshine, and I was like, I'm gonna get this, I I'm gonna start making moonshine, and I did, and uh, I taught myself the first uh, the first you know first year it was it was a little crazy but you know uh after that i got better i learned more and learned more and you know and uh finally i learned after a couple years i learned how to use a damn uh hydrometer <laughs> you know i used to just taste it and i always gave it two weeks i was like two weeks it'll be done two weeks it'll be done uh right once i got a fucking hydrometer i'm like holy shit this is a new level man it's next level and then all copper pot still that takes that flavor to the next level too man it's it's crazy but that's but a beautiful yeah, 20 that you've got there yeah yeah it's cool uh mm -hmm. i might get a bigger one find a place to hide it and run some big dog shit in the future <laughs> i don't know i'm right. trying to go legal uh this bar there's a biker bar that i used to run around at and uh they're talking about getting my own outbuilding and let me run a still and serve and everything right fucking there. I hope it works out. Nice. It's a pretty, yeah. pretty wild bar though. So <laughs> right. Right. I don't know if many people will want to come there, but it's, there's a lot of bikers. Coming I mean, you know, it's a, the clientele that buys early and often it'll keep you busy anyways. So oh yeah, for sure. I know I used to, used to be the one that was encouraging everybody to try to go legal. And now I'm, I, I feel like after being in the industry for 10 years, I'm like, don't go fucking legal. It just don't keep whatever your day job is and just fucking do this for fun. Cause people are just waiting for a chance to crush your fucking soul in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, oh, yeah. you tell me this now, Hey, that's your fault. You started showing up, you showed up and you showed up repeatedly and did free labor until we hired you. That's on you. <laughs> That's fair. You should you you might as well have walked in like you you might as well have walked in and been like, would you guys please abuse me? Just I I need this bad. <laughs> like Pe Pedro was even worse, Stephen. So he came in whenever I was interviewing people. <clears throat> you know how I don't know if I know if I ever told you how Stephen actually got his job. Mm -hmm. So 
the reason he got hired, he didn't have any experience distilling whatsoever, but I saw that he'd been a janitor at the school for like three years. I'm like, fucking hired. You're hired. This you guy can clean. You can't do anything else. You can fucking clean. So, but oh, whiskey yeah. shaman, what do you, uh, what you, what you been working on, man? Well, right now I have, uh, recently, like last week I went to, uh, Andalusia whiskey in Blanco, Texas, and they do some great single malts and stuff like that. I went over there to pick up a bottle. They had a bottled and bond rum, the first in Texas to ever be made. It's agricole rum. I'm not really into rum, obviously, but I was like, it's cool, so I'm gonna go pick it up. Uh, but he was running. Uh, he just he had just done a mash of some peated uh, whiskey that he was doing, and he was raking out the the grain bin, and he said, "Hey, do you want some of this grain?" And I was like. Sure, I'll feed yeah. it to the chickens or something. And he goes, yeah. I said, you know what? I'll throw a gumball head on top of it and fucking see what I can get out of it. So it's it's sitting over here fermenting. It's about done. I might run it tomorrow and see what see what it looks like. Maybe get that uh, that Mister Fusion back there. Get it, uh, yeah. get it rolling uh, and see what see what I can get the flavor I can get off. But they use a ten percent Irish peat, so it's a real light peat, so it's yep. not super super peated, but uh, it's super good, so I'm hoping that if I can get that, uh, you know, I don't know if I have enough yield to get in my big still, but maybe I can run it through my baby still and go from there. Yeah, I, li I like that Irish Pete. We did that a couple years ago. I did a, um, it was a smoked apple brandy that we called LaFrog because I love LaFroig, but oh, yeah. I also love apple brandy. So we smoked it with the Irish Pete and called it LaFrog to sort of, you know, poke fun at the French and Calvados, so. But uh, it turned out really well, so uh, didn't last long. That's yeah, for sure. I bet not. I bet gone not. quick. So, yeah, they uh, so the, on that rum they're doing so that all straight up Texas sugarcane or yeah, yeah, sugarcane that they got uh, over by the border of Mexico, um, and they hand pressed it and did all that, and uh, double they they only have copper pot stills, so they double pot stilled it, stuck it in their navy strength. And it came out at Navy. No, it came out at 50% because it was bottled and bought. But, uh, but yeah, it's. I got to try a sample of it. It was really good, obviously. But, yeah. and, and I think they put it in um, first-use oak. So they had already used it for – they have another whiskey that they do that they put in. Uh, it's a bottled and bond malt whiskey. And so that's in uh, new oak. And so they took it out of that new oak and threw that, that rum in there. Uh, so nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I may have to have you, uh, hook me up with those guys. Cause I'd like to have them on distillers talk sometime. Cause we've never yeah, had them I, on. I sent, I sent the link to Christy, but, uh, you know, Good. you know how that goes. Um, right. I can send you her, I can send you uh Moose's email. So. Heck yeah, absolutely. I'd be glad yeah. to have Yeah. Them. They're, 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 they're cool guys. Justin, what are you working on, man? Nothing and all the things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much learning, um, not doing my podcast, as you know. Uh, We've noticed. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm glad everybody besides Alan can throw that out there. Uh, and to be, fair, no, just, to be fair, I hadn't even talked to him about that at all. That was of his completely 100% his own accord right there, brother. So I'll be at, uh, what was it, three or four days ago, I actually recorded a podcast, and I used a new mic, and it sounds like Chewbacca taking a shit in a tin can. So I'm redoing that one. Uh, it's on, which is funny because Alan's putting some stuff out now about yeast, but I had a little project at work 
using the Amanda Palmer corn, uh, getting a yeast starter all actually off that corn. Um, we've got two Donna jugs of that yeast starter there at work now that hopefully we'll eventually end up using for something. Uh, working on that, uh, the last few weeks there at work, we were distilling apple brandy and absinthe. I almost had a heart attack the, the first run of absinthe I'd done. I, I think I called Alan at least five times. Uh, couldn't get a hold of him one time. I actually messaged, messaged Kim, but like, I need Alan to call me right now. Everything yeah, she, is wrong. She came running out to the garden and she's like, you need to call Justin now. And I'm like, uh, you know, what did he say? Like distilleries on fire, the boiler blew up. Uh, what's the deal? I don't know. You just need to call him. He said, call him. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was running absinthe and the first run that we done it, it was, you know, clear the blue absinthe. I was running the second run and I was not expecting any color at all coming over and started getting a little bit of green from the, the gin basket plus the tails and everything like that as Alan had explained to me. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, this should not be happening. This, I've, I've ruined everything. I've, a whole batch of absence is gone. Um, all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a whole thing, but other than that, not, not a whole lot, just learning. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that for sure. So Phil, whenever you guys have any questions, feel free, man. We're, we're we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll all sit here and bullshit for no good reason all night for yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm cool with that. I just figured there'd be a bunch of people in here, a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of guys with questions, even the guys who, you know, come up with this, uh, and speaking of absinthe, man, um, I've never ran it, and I've been considering trying my hand at it. And uh, for the last, I've been like sometimes I'll consider something, but it, it'll take a whole year before I actually get to it because I have stuff I, I got to run. I, everything I do is research and development. Every single thing is me learning how to master a grain or master a you know a certain type of liquor. And uh, so I've not uh, done absinthe yet, and I I was considering it, and I watched probably about six or seven months ago. I watched a podcast with you and Jesse from Still It, and and I was over, you know, because I know nothing about absinthe whatsoever, and mm -hmm. I'm not even going to pretend to, you know. I I've never done it. I want to try it. I I mean, I don't even know if I really enjoy absinthe i've gotten shit faced on it i think i drank too much <laughs> but uh what it was like for me it was a different buzz than like say a whiskey or a beer it, it was it was a totally different buzz for me and it made me feel kind of like i was sick but i think it was because i drank almost a whole bottle of shit well yeah that, that'll that'll do it yeah yeah <laughs> but i still want to uh i want to i want to give it a go because I, I tried uh I did, uh, what is it, uh, agave? I'm not going to call it tequila, even though I call it fucking tequila, because I'm an asshole. But <laughs> I did agave, and uh, I thought it was excellent. I really like it. Uh, like how it came out. I'm going to do that again in the future. Um, but I want to I want to do the same thing with apps, and I want to be able to make a decent drink, you know? And right. So, so I'm out here trying to learn uh, how to do it, and <laughs> And when I typed it in, uh, that came up. You, you and Jesse from Still It came up, and mm -hmm. I think that was the first video. And I was like, "Ooh!" And I watched that podcast, and it was a 
it was a good long uh, podcast, and I learned some stuff, good. and I'm going to give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absinthe and apple brandy are kind of my, my two things that I'm really passionate about. But uh, no, absinthe is one of those things that <clears throat> if people are really serious about getting truly into the art of distillation, like that's your that's your goal is to get to the point where you can actually make a real absinthe um, along the bell epoch, uh, sort of lines. And then the reason I say that is even if you, even if you don't like it, it's, it takes into account all the other forms of distillation because you can make it from any base that you want to. So you master all those different bases, including agave. I've got an agave absinthe that I'm working on right now, as a matter of fact. Um, but you master all those things, then you figure out gin, then maybe you go to aquavit and then absinthe is like the, uh, you know, it's like the master thesis for a distiller. You know, it'd be the equivalent of whatever you put in front of your uh, in front of your college professor to be able to graduate and, and get your master's. So um, it's not a, it's not an easy drink. And um, even people who have, quote unquote, pulled it off, you know, on TV, weren't really pulling off Bell Epoch style absinthe and no, no disrespect to any of them. But they weren't they weren't really even in the ballpark. So. Um, it's, it's when you make a real absinthe, you're dealing with a, a distillation that is almost a solid state distillation. You have as many botanicals in that pot as what you have liquid in that pot. Um, and if you're running on an open flame, you better be real careful with it. And you better have a way to separate those botanicals from the bottom of that still, or you'll scorch the shit out of it. Yeah. Hell yeah. But it's, it's Speaking a lot of fun. But stills, man, I, I, I spent two hours a day just cleaning my pot. I didn't even get to the worm or the fucking, or the uh, thumper, just the pot. It was crazy. I, I'm so sick of cleaning, man. That's the worst part about this shit is yeah. uh, washing, washing, I call it washing dishes because that's what it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah, once you, get, once you get legal, that becomes the biggest part of your job, just keeping things fucking cleaned up, especially if you have any tours going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just walk around with a rag hanging out of your back fucking pocket, pretty much. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Um, do you, you got anything new you've been working on? Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of projects. I've always got a bunch of stuff going on at once. Um, <clears throat> the agave thing I've been working on for a little bit over a year now, and I've done a lot of different experiments with it. And I have I have plans to do some legal stuff with that in the future. Um, basically not it won't be an alternative to tequila or mezcal um there'll be some other ingredients in there so i played around with some smoked rye um you can see some of that stuff on the one piece of time distilling institute channel on youtube um i played around with some ginger as well with it um played around with some smoked apples with it i've actually smoked some agave syrup itself and played around with that in that fermentation process as well um always playing around with different absinthe and absinthe bases uh, the most recent thing that I did was, um, and I didn't film it for the channel. <clears throat> the reason I didn't is because I have plans for it. But um, so, you know, a lot of your, a lot of your alchemical history and a lot of your apothecary history crosses over. So I, I have a, a real intense interest in botanical spirits and what you can do with them. And one of the most interesting stories out there is how Dr. Pepper got started and it came out of a pharmacy and it was based on the ingredients that that particular pharmacist was using on a daily basis. Um, so I took the 23 flavors of Dr. Pepper and worked those into a, a spirit that I made and came up with, it's not really a gin, but it's got juniper in it. Um, 
it doesn't taste exactly like Dr. Pepper, but you can damn sure mix it into Dr. Pepper and it tastes like fucking Dr. Pepper. <laughs> like you can't hardly pick up the alcohol on it at all in the, uh, in the yeah. Dr. Pepper. So that so, one's been a lot of fun. You got that on the shelf. Can, can somebody purchase that? Yeah. Not yet, but they will be able to in the future. Yeah. So that's uh, prototyping a bunch of stuff for future projects, basically. Um, yeah. And been playing around a lot with rye whiskey. So I've got a guy that I've, I've, he and I have got a company that we've started with his wife, uh, as well as his father, and he's picking up investors right now. So I've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, traditional rye whiskey, specifically uh, Pennsylvania style rye whiskey. But um, it's based on some books that uh, his great grandfather had some notebooks. Uh, his great grandfather worked for a huge amount of distilleries in Kentucky and Indiana. And the last two he worked for were Shinley and Seagram's. And he wrote down everything. He wrote down process. He wrote down weights. He wrote down times all that kind of stuff. So we're recreating that style of rye whiskey. And I think we're, we're on the verge of getting ready to uh, potentially buy some, um, some barrels of actual whiskey to do some blending with just to get out the door and get started and have some money to actually start distilling uh, something somewhere at another craft distillery that we can hire to do that for us. So um, that's, that's taken up a, a lot of my time. Hell yeah. It's always fun to uh, to try new stuff. Like like I try a new corn like all the time. I've done so many different kinds of corn, and every one of them come out with a different flavor. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them, and I, I love each one. But you know, you have your favorites, and, and I feel like I'm ready to uh, tackle some other things and uh, yeah. like uh, some bourbon stuff like that. You know mm-hmm. what I want to really do is the absinthe and the. I, I never, I never made a scotch. I want to make a scotch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want to get some peated, uh, peated. Do a single malt, and uh, the only person I know that's ever even did one is uh, JJ. Uh, yep. He, he yeah. got some peated grain, and he gave me uh, gave me a little bottle of it. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. See, this is that's one of those sort of categories where like trying to get the the people who identify as either home distillers or cross over a little bit into the moonshine world or the people in the moonshine world to cross over into the home distilling world because a lot of the home distillers that's like they 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 do the do not pass go right right so they don't even start off with sugar shine they immediately go to all grain and then they have to learn backwards versus yep. a moonshiner learning on sugar shine and then learning forwards and if there was more <clears throat> talk between the two groups in general it would help everybody out because there's there's a lot i mean there's guys right now at home making damn scotch style whiskeys that blow anything any u.s made single malt i'll say it that way at the moment (laughs) out of the water i mean just absolutely blow it out of the fucking water and it's it's more disparate there than it is in any other category i've ever seen i mean you know guys make bourbon at home but i have yet to have a bourbon from a home distiller where i'm like yeah that's fucking on par with what's out there on the market because it just doesn't work that way but it certainly seems to work that way with the single malt thing and i know whiskey shaman you've done done some uh single malt stuff haven't you yeah yeah no that's that's basically you you nailed it on the head with that like that's where i started when i got into this i wanted to make (coughs) and that was my thing I, i wanted to make single malt and so i learned i started doing brewing and stuff like that and then i was like i don't like the beer I made wasn't very good, so I'm I'm just going to distill it. So then it turned into, okay, well, I'm making this single malt. Well, it tastes like a Highland 
single malt. Like there's really nothing to it. It's just kind of malty and fruity. So then I threw some peat in there. Then I threw, threw some chocolate malt in there. Then I did some honey and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And then you find a profile that you like and then you just run with it. And I like, like you were saying, Phil Bailey with the corn, I've done that with malt. I've literally done from, you know, your six row barley all the way to your black patent malt, you know, like the, the one that has zero diastatic power and made a chocolate stout and distilled it, you know, and, uh, it's crazy the the flavor profile you get off of it. Some of it's not great. I'm not gonna lie. Some of it's not great because some of it's not made to be ran through a still. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of it, if you can find some good stuff, um, I found one malt that I really enjoyed, and I don't even know if they make it anymore. It's called Pearl Malt, mm-hmm. and um, it was super good. And and then I ended up using it in a in a bourbon as well. And it, it just kind of rounded everything out. It was almost uh, oat like in the way it was, uh, the way its profile was. It was really smooth and soft and stuff like that. So it was nice. It was yeah, that nice. that pearl malt caught on there for a little while, maybe like eight nine years ago. Every every homebrew store you'd go in would just have tons and tons of that shit laying around. And I haven't seen it in years now. Mm-mm. What's Mm-mm. up, man? How you doing? What's up, brother? What's going on? Old same old same old yourself. Oh, just uh, got my youngest to bed, and uh, you know, you know how it goes, Alan. Right. You know, I'm just trying to make it work. <laughs> right. <laughs> Glad to see you, man. Yeah, and no, nah, it's uh, thanks for letting me into the room. <laughs> right. Right. And listen, I don't know if this is necessarily a lineup that uh, anybody <laughs> should want to be a part of, but yes, you're yeah. <laughs> well, you're considering the fact that I've been. Uh, exploring the cousins process recently, I, I may need your help at some point in uh, yes. picking the right acids to use. I've scoured the forums, used several different run- ones. I made a run today uh, using lime, and it came out good, but feel like i can go deeper yeah yeah you know the 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 old timers they used uh damn sulfuric as much as anything but i i am not about putting sulfuric acid listen i've read i've read the forums and i'm like okay if i can get my hands on like just trying to run down what's safe enough to do in (laughs) a home environment i guess is right (laughs) (laughs) that's the trick yeah. But you know, if you uh you probably couldn't get the same catalyst out of it, but I would say with with any decent food grade acid, short of like something like malic that's really going to affect your flavor, okay. you should be able to use citric or something like that to get to get pretty damn close if you have a pH that'll tolerate the the or a yeast that'll tolerate the pH drop. Why what I did was it so to try to mimic the cousins process um you know, I use the I use the venas in the wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like sixty to seventy percent back set is what I used in the in the wash, and it's it's like a sixth generation back set. So yeah. let that ferment. I have my muck pit. I made a muck pit addition after primary was done, and then I took the high and low wines from my previous run and 
put the acid in those. Is that how you understand the Cousins process to work? And then yeah. To, to, that? to some greater or lesser degree. To, and it, it, a lot of it depends on, obviously, what, what region is. all that. Do tell, him the easy, tell him the easy way to do it. Uh, let's see. What's the easy way to do it? So, uh, if you, if you break that down into the most basic and simple form, you take all of your spent wash from your still after your stripping run, mm -hmm. put that into a container somewhere where you can control it. Uh, and then you can either start pitching weird bacteria or you can start, uh, letting weird bacteria grow itself. It's part of it. Um, they would oftentimes use JJ is what you were saying, like using lime even in the in the dunder pit, um, which I, I think now they they kind of realize that that wasn't necessary because they're trying to acidify too. So I'm not sure. That's yeah. where I get lost. So so what all it, I did back in the day was I I put one when this is a long time. And I'm not going to tell you how long or who I learned it from or nothing else. But back in the day, you had spring water and you put it in the thing. And then you went to make it. And then you would just add to... There wasn't no such thing as pH. <laughs> so, but... Later on in the years, I learned the pH was uh, baking soda. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's, it, that's the interesting thing, though, is that what you're looking for are the salts that you add to either your low wines or to your muck pit. So, like, my muck pit right now is controlled to a point where like I it's buried in the backyard like to ground level it's a bucket that's buried so it stays at ground temperature mm -hmm. and I add to it it's my dog somebody but, knocked on the door but <laughs> he must be wanting something trying to <laughs> salts is what I heard somebody even, I was reading one of the, the other day, somebody even distilled down to and boiled what was in their muck down just to cultivate folks. Have you heard anything like that? Yeah, yeah, to some degree. So, um, and I'm sure, I think we, we might have even touched on this on Distiller's Talk, JJ, but like uh, Boston Apothecary has got a lot of that literature on his website. Um specifically and I, I seem to vaguely remember coming across that what's what's really interesting too jj um this the old school whiskey thing in the united states and i when i say old school i mean late 1700s early 1800s uh but the what we now know is the sour mash process with with bourbon that's not what it was at that time period it, it very much resembles exactly what you're talking about they were purposely pulling stillage aside setting it aside letting it go rancid getting that bacteria up and going and then using that to do basically the same thing Every we're talking about. Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. they did the same thing you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I watch your channel all the time. 
Thank and you. Exactly what you're talking about is 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 the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ, are you uh, are you gonna are you gonna try to get a hold of some fission yeast for that project? Uh, I mean, there's so I've got a guy. So my guy up at CNC Malt, he knows several different yeast guys that like do it on small production here in West PA. And I've inquired uh, about it. I, it's all those weird things that you want to get your hands on, but you got to know a guy, right? <laughs> and those 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 guys seem to be when it comes to that and their sourcing. A lot of them seem to be pretty tight lipped. Like I know, um, well, even Richard... the malt, even the maltsters, like the guys that know their shit when it comes to like. Look at that bad motivator right there. One seventy five. <laughs> Hell yeah! Sorry, had to get another little drink. Look like a nice, nice little library of barrels there. Ooh, I had to stock up. I had to stock up. Right? Did you got the most? Yeah. So uh, we got a question in the comments. Let's go. Um, Shaky Jackson said, "I got a question. I just started a sugar wash and got." got carried away with the sugar and added 24 pounds of sugar to 10 gallons of water and the starting gravity was 1.104 and after three days the gravity was 1.06 with a ph of five i don't know what the question was though okay it sounds like he's asking about his yeast stolen out potentially uh i mean that's just that's a, that's a pretty damn high gravity for for anything eating just straight up sugar man i mean yeast is not yeast is not designed to do that even even ec1118 etc i mean you might be able to get it down to 1015 or something like that but um add more water yeah yep. that's too. what i would do add more mm-hmm. fucking water yeah. um that sounds like some badass cereal milk to be drinking on right there yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, you remember that's what i do Cats used to make that just, and cats used to make like just that straight sugar wine back in the day. Oh, yeah. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I so that. I, that'd be a fun question, though. I mean, if we're, if we're, if the goal here is to specifically get, you know, moonshiners headed in the direction of somewhat home distilling, I mean, hell, let, let's, let's start with sugar shine here. I mean, what are you, what let's are your guys like protocols for like a straight up sugar, sugar shine, right? Where you start at, and when I say sugar, Sean, I mean with grain or with fruit, either way, not just straight sugar. So, yeah, I mean, man, it, I know. Go ahead, JJ. No, I was just gonna say, I mean, like, I, your your nutrients are key. Um, even if I'm doing, because Alan saw uh, homeboy do uh, for Jesse from Silla do the uh, the vodka that was kind of inspired by what you your process yeah like, the brandy th- neutral you yeah. have to literally like <clears throat> if you're gonna go for a sugar shine you have to be geared towards wanting a neutral number one in terms of flavor but i think that you you just have to add things and accept the fact that you're going to get residual flavors from whatever it is that you put into that sugar shine. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going for a vodka and you put weed in it. And I think a lot of people found out, like, if you put weed in it, you're going to taste wheat even after, like, the third distillation. You're going to yep. fucking taste it. 
<clears throat> like Absolutely. There, especially if you're doing pot still. Uh, but that's not a bad thing, Mm-mm. you know? No. no. Yeah, and those traditional, you know, vodkas, Samagons, et cetera, they all had some flavor to them, even when distilled to 170. But even think about just straight up, you know, old school, we'll call it almost industrial sugar shine with like, you know, uh, wheat shorts or, or wheat bran. That wheat brand, no matter how little they put in there, how much they put in there, it wasn't given starch. But damn, did it not give some flavor. I mean, I've had I had a sugar shine that was distilled by a, a gentleman from French Lick area who's now passed away um, based off of his grandfather's recipe. And it was literally somewhere in the two pounds for 50 gallons of malt corn and somewhere around 10 pounds for 50 gallons of just corn and then two pounds per gallon of, of sugar. And he aged it on oak. And you know what? If they hadn't told me that that's how it was made, I'd have had no fucking clue. Because it was it was that damn good. I mean, it was super surprising. Now, I've had the opposite of that, too. Which is, uh, I don't know what this is, and I'm not fucking drinking it. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that old school sugar shine thing, for sure. But, yeah, Phil Billy, what's kind of your your thoughts there? Uh, do I put, are you talking about the question here? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just jumping around, just trying to fill space. Oh, I, 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 do, I do, I do both. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll throw some tails into the next uh, distillation and I'll bring up proof a little bit, give you a little more liquor. And sometimes I'll save a shit ton of tails, and then I got a little smaller still, and I will, uh, I'll run a, a tails run, and then I, I got like a little thumper on my little liquor. I call it my. Uh, my liquor uh, still, like I'll run liquor through it. I'll, I'll proof it all about 40, put it in there, and then I'll flavor it. And, uh, man, I make some good shit out of tails. I'll, I'll yeah. fuck with some tails. I got I got a big old bin of tails, bro. That's that's where the vast majority of your flavors at is in the tails. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that, but it's that's that's the closer you get to water, the more those miscible ingredients come across in distillation, the more flavor you get out of it in the redistillation for sure. But. I am, um, I'm not like when it comes to sugar shine or doing things at home, I'm not picky. Like I very rarely ever do the same thing twice as far as methodology when it comes to fermentation. It's usually, and usually, and Justin knows this, it's usually cause I'm fucking drunk by the time we get around the mashing and a sugar shine. <laughs> so I keep it simple, right? At the, Some of the, yeah, just throw that. Yep. What do we got on hand? What's over here? And sometimes I throw in little miscellaneous things, but like generally, pound of grain per gallon pound of sugar per gallon a lot of times i do like to invert the sugar and then just depend on what i'm running what grain it is i'll either run on a thumper and call it done or what i repeating myself who's somebody's a few minutes behind not me, Justin. What'd you Not do? Me. Not me. <laughs> it's 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 Bubba. Bubba, um, try try going out and coming back in, brother. Not me. It's Bubba. Bubba, um, yeah. Refresh your page. And then try and come back in. I'll put another link over here. But I'll pretty much almost 
almost always double distill everything, um, whether it's with a thumper and a single pass or it's, you know, double pot still distillation. But what I what I like to do with uh, sugar shines, really, if I have time to fuck with them, um, whether it's brandy or it's or it's grain sugar shine, I'll leave the fermentation the same. Sometimes I like to run that single pass with the, the pot and a thump and then take that, take the hearts off of that and redistill it a third time. But what I really prefer to do is to make a single pass with pot and thumper, collect my hearts, get rid of my heads, set my tails aside, set the hearts aside, and then I'll set up the still without a thumper on it, just going straight to the condenser, put new wash in the still, and then put those tails or those hearts back in the still, redistill it to where you're getting like a 2.5 distillation out of it. I really like doing that with, with like sugar shine brandies because nothing wrong with running a, a, a sugar shine based brandy one time other than you don't get great separation of the compounds that you'd like to get separation with because all these aerotypes are still stuck together. The water and the alcohol are stuck together. So I figured out by doing that 2.5, you get a higher proof. You still get all the flavor because you have that single pass there that one time on the second run and you don't have near the fucking hangover the next day off of it. Yeah. So I, I do that. So like mountain brandies, mm-hmm. like that mountain brandy I was telling you about that I'm doing for this barrel and flow uh, festival like that. The 2.5 is, has become my basically standard across the board for what I'm amalgamating for that festival. It's in it's 2.5. So I'll, I'll run, I'll strip, I'll strip and then I'll add and then, wash and then run it again like it 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 works i mean like you get the full flavor and then i'm i did it one time with i showed you my uh my d flag that i built i ran it one time with the d flag on with copper scrubbies on a 48 inch two inch column and like everybody's like oh it's gonna strip all your flavor out all that did for me i let the heads run out and then I basically compressed my hearts. Yep. And it, it it worked great. I let the heads run off. I compressed. I was able to compress my hearts. And then tails came at like 130 proof. Yep. Higher proof, less volume, but plenty of flavor. But plenty of flavor. Exactly. So it, it, people, you know, when you talk about like D-flag or anything like that or plates even like, you know, there's a reason why those commercial guys just use like you, those commercial guys use even something like perforated plates. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're not stripping flavor. You're just reducing. Volume. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. And, that, and that's a trick with a batch system. You know, as long as you're running a batch system or a very inefficient column, like a, a low rec Kentucky bourbon column, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can still pull plenty of flavor from that. Absolutely. So, where bourbon makes the mistake a lot of times, in my opinion, is they go too far in the barrel, and then you don't have any of the grain flavor left uh, with a lot of the commercial varieties. So, well, me uh, talk about that. I I want to taste that grain, baby. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I've noticed a difference between uh, moonshiners, uh, home distillers, and, and, and just people that do it themselves uh, as compared to like bourbon enthusiasts and things like that is like when you make it yourself, you kind of want to taste the grain. Mm -hmm. And when you don't, 
you just want to you're going after the wood you're you're going after right. like the characteristics of the wood and i will say like there's some i don't know how you guys feel about finishing barrels and shit like that i mean i've had some that's fucking excellent like uh-huh. i've had some shit mgp barrels that they take and they put in some other stuff like good times good times there good. it is <laughs> i mean yeah i, I don't I, know how you guys feel like like the, the, these guys they finished this in a uh a port cast it's pretty damn good uh, but oh i love but i want to taste the grain and you're never going to get that from something you usually i'm not going to say you're never you rarely get that yeah. from something you buy on the shelf Right, right, and it, and it, there's plenty of market space for all those things to happen. Absolutely, and I think the craft movement is changing that up a little bit and focusing a little bit more on grain in, in general. At least, you know, we are, and Iron Root Republic is, and, and there's several of them out there that are. There's plenty of wood whores out there too, right? Without a doubt, um, and that's fine if that's your thing. There's there's all kinds of room for that in the market too, um, and even even like the. The definition between you know home distiller and and uh, moonshine or you know having having been both of those and a legal distiller I think I've I think what I, I think JJ falls in this category I think Randall does too I think at this point it, it's like it's almost like there's there's room for all those things as long as people are honest even on the commercial side like good times if they were 100% honest and they were like yeah there was like three gallons of whatever the previous product was left in this barrel and we're not calling it bourbon anymore like they wouldn't get half the shit they get from the purest in the industry. Um, Hershey syrup. Hey, hey yeah. can I shameless plug before I get off real quick? Yeah. So we got the out. I got a run coming out in Western PA. Uh, oh yeah. It's 100% malted blue corn, clear whiskey. Uh, just. It's my little my little jump into the legal world, but I, I appreciate Dude, it. It's awesome. Like, well, that's, I mean, that that is, that's great. That's you fucking know. killer. I got to have oh, two shit. bottles of that, bro. Yeah, me too. You, you look at, at these two. You look at yourself in this industry and you're like, okay, I, I, I'm trying to do something. And my first foray into this is trying to get people to appreciate the taste of the grain and where it comes from. And how it's grown, how it's malted. Uh, so, I mean, for my for this first foray, like fuck the barrel. I want you to taste it as it is, and uh, yeah. you know, for the purists out there who like Kentucky bourbon and they like the barrel and they like the car notes and all that shit. Like, this is not that, but it's fucking delicious. I yeah. promise. Yeah. yeah, the great, the great thing with that too jj is that it's changing some right the the bourbon the bourbon purists are less and less so part of our craft distilling market and the people who have adventurous palates they'll seek your stuff out man so they'll find it and they'll be all about it and i you know what if anything at all like i really appreciate the community as a platform for like being able to explore those flavors i know that we as a community like those flavors and you know I, I just can't say enough to how much I appreciate Joel. Yeah, absolutely, man. I can't awesome. wait to taste that. Absolutely. At least two bottles, bro. At least. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Don't worry. So, I'll I, I hit you in the DMs. Hell, yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Let's do it. 
I got any of you guys. I got to go serve dinner up. I will holler at y'all. All right. Hit me in the all right. Let me know. Right. Later, brother. Yeah, JJ. Good to bro. Nice to see you. Good to see y'all. Have a good one, man. Have any any of you guys experienced uh, or experimented with uh, putting cereal and, and making mash out of cereals? Absolutely. Little. Absolutely. Mm, what you got, well, Randall? You mean actual actual cereal, like like commercial cereals that you can buy at the store, like apple, apple, yeah. apple, yep. Jaw, apple yep. jacks and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I put it out, man. Um, I've done uh, what was it? Fruity Pebbles. That was fun. Uh, it was weird oh. as hell. Um, very. It was like black by the time it got done fermenting. It was fucking mm. weird. Uh, very very small run. I think it it. The, I, didn't, I didn't add any sugar to it, and I think it was at like 1065. So, uh, yeah. So it fermented out pretty good, and uh, but it tasted like shit at the end. It just it just wasn't good. And then and then I did uh, apple jacks because I was trying to make like a apple jack moonshine or something out of it, and uh, you could get that cinnamon flavor on the back end, but no apple came through or anything like that. It was just straight up like almost fireball-y at the very end, which wasn't yeah, great. Could, what, wasn't great, but it was okay. Yeah. Yeah, he could put cinnamon in it. Yeah. So, so I have it, but there's two just because these are my cereals. I, I honestly want to mess around with sometime. Frosted shredded wheat. I don't like I like that even when I was a kid. And it is the only cereal that nobody else in the house would eat. Now, <laughs> once... Uh, Tiff and I got married for some reason. The youngest kid always ate my frosted shredded wheat cereal and then blamed it on everybody else. Uh, but but that and uh, honey bunches of oats with almonds. Oh, yeah. I want to try to do that sometime. And I don't know if the almonds would mess anything up as far as the oils are possibly going rancid. But nope, nope. They Should that's yeah. That's that's in the uh, in the uh, fucking Dr Pepper spirit that I did. Almonds are in there, and then I use it for peach brandy all the time. Yeah. So all that peach brandy that you ever had over here, that's all got almonds in it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. It works. It works great. Works great. So, yeah, actually, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, go, go ahead. I was going to ask, just going to jump back on something real quick with Justin, because uh, just to bring him in on this conversation, because Justin is fairly new to the world of distilling. Um, we were talking about that barrel versus grain forward flavor or brand or, you know, fruit forward flavor. And I know Justin was, you know, a pretty big bourbon fan. And I'm, I'm kind of curious how, how your opinion, if it's changed any over time or what your thoughts are on finishing and all that stuff we were touching on a while ago, Justin. So as far as like, like bourbon goes, I've always kind of leaned towards more of the grain forward stuff anyways. Um, but my palate has opened up a whole lot more to where like if I go down in the basement or where we have all of our bottles and I pick something up that's more barrel forward, I end up putting it down and either picking up something of ours or something that I know is grain forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have leaned a whole lot more that way as far as getting away from the barrel. Uh, uh, and I'll throw this in there also. Um, I was going to say this when JJ was on here, but I, I didn't get a chance to, because he was talking about the white whiskey thing and, and people kind of leaning more towards that or getting away from the barrel. Uh, I actually did a tour today um, and it's been like this more and more we get people from Kentucky coming up and doing tours all the time. And we always talk about the difference between, you know, double pot still stuff, uh, pushing the grain forward, trying not to lean too much on the barrel and things like that. And I actually had a guy today that lives 
10 minutes from Frankfort, Kentucky. And he actually bought the white, he bought like two or three bottles of the white bourbon whiskey there at work. Good. Because he, he, when he first came in, it was, you know, he wasn't sure about the grain flavor forward and all this stuff. You know, he likes, you know, 10, 12 year bourbons and things like that. But then he left with three bottles of, of white bourbon whiskey, that's straight grain. There, there's no way around it. That's just what it is. So mm-hmm. I, like, like you said, I, I've always been into bourbon a little bit, but I, I'm much or most definitely appreciating the, the grain stuff forward. Uh, not everybody was on here a while ago, but like MB Rowland is one of my favorite things. And, and that's straight grain forward whiskey. Yeah. So very much so. Yeah. Also, which, for any, anybody uh, ever, ever starts a, uh, starts a legal distillery and they're not in Kentucky. If you want to make the bourbon world mad, make a white bourbon whiskey. Oh, fuck <laughs> you for that, by the way. Cause I get into more arguments out front about that than anything else. Yep. All it's got to do is touch new Oak. It doesn't say how long it just has yep. to touch a new Oak barrel. <laughs> Holy the, shit. The only thing you could have done worse than that is to make like run it through chinkapin Oak or something. So because then they'd be like, well, it has to be new American white Oak and all this shit. Right. Right. You're going to make me get into a fifth fight in the parking lot. One day is what's going to happen. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. how it works, man. I start trouble and, and then somebody else has to go with it. Especially on his, uh, what is it? Uh, bourbon you made before you left the other company oh the the mic drop bourbon the yeah that left and then what what made me think about it today was i was watching a podcast and people were talking about taking sips out of the barrel and then i thought about you the way you said that people were taking sips out of the yeah yeah, out of the barrel as it was at right after it went in the barrel. And that's that's what I was saying in that mic drop video, too. Like part of their marketing story was that it was, you know, a cra- some crazy amount of angel share and evaporation, which is just complete bullshit. Those barrels were neither all the way full when we started and we damn sure drank them down in the cellar. I mean, we we hit those barrels hard as white spirit when we were at yeah. Copper and Kings. So. We've got we've got another one in the uh, in the H three room right now that's a Lee Sinclair that's being finished in a mezcal barrel, and I'm determined oh. that that's never getting put out. Too many people want it. So what happens is if you come to the distillery and you hang out and we're friends, we'll just tap that fucking barrel. We'll drain that we'll drain that motherfucker in the H three room. Alan Chris was counting the holes today. Oh, I bet he, he was. was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I could talk about that one a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Justin knows Honey Shine. Yeah. So uh, one of the the first thing that I ever distilled was actually a, a, a Honey Shine. Um, I had a buddy uh, down down south, and I made ten gallon, no, fifteen gallons of of mead. Uh, so a little back backstory with me: I got into to homemade wine and mead making before I got into this. Five hundred dollars worth of honey. Yeah, that's no shit. Um, it was cheap, honey. It's okay. So I took that down and, and ran that on a, uh, a North Georgia, uh, still with a, with a thumper with some help from one of my buddies brought that back. Alan's actually tried it. It's, it's okay. But now that I've done other stuff and tried other things, I'm, I'm not too happy with it. But, uh, after that, uh, honestly, if I was going to run honey again, I would do it like the last one, uh, Alan and I had done together. Um, 
I think was I done the stripping run and you done the doubling run, Alan. Is that how we did that? I think. I so. think. Yeah. Um, but actually, it started out as a as a boche. Um, and if you're not familiar with that term, a boche is a a caramelized uh, honey. Um, so you actually you go further than inverting the sugars. You actually caramelize and create some unfermentable sugars. Now I didn't take that one as far as I wanted to, uh, but it didn't ferment dry either. So I know there were some unfermentables in there. And honestly, that is probably one of the, the best honey shines, or uh, I guess you'd call that a sugar shine because honey is just a, a sugar source um, that I've ever had. I, I, I was really proud of that one. Um, so doing a boche and caramelizing and cre- creating some unfermentable sugars, honestly, and then running that through a still was pretty cool. It's I good, think doing right? the boche is the route. I decided to go with what we were talking about, Alan, with my uh, medicinal mead. Yep. With my herbs, doing the the boche with the herbs in it, I think that's going to be the best route for that. I I definitely don't have enough mead to uh to distill it. Right. <laughs> as much as uh-huh. I uh, as much as I wish I could. Well, the, the cool thing about a bo- yeah, the cool thing about a boche is it'll it'll hold up to a lot of those botanicals or me- medicines that you want to throw in there. Mm-hmm. And then, am I going to leave the herbs in after making the boche with them? Yes, I would leave them in because I would treat it just like you know, like you would a Groot or a Stone beer. Um, they're gonna they're gonna keep extracting um, very much in the mm-hmm. same way that you know it's kind of like you know actually hopping and boiling your hops mm-hmm. um, and then leaving them behind for sure. Um, so that that wouldn't I that, I would definitely leave that in. But I I think Justin and I've even talked about this before. So doing a Boche. So for those of you who aren't familiar with like a Stone beer or a Groot, that's a really really old concept. Um, and the, the concept is that you, you only had a pot that was big enough to boil so much water, but you had to make X amount of beer every year if you were Scandinavian, right? And so in order to get around that, what they do is they'd take a barrel, a half barrel, and they'd put a false bottom in it. They'd line the bottom of it with uh, juniper branches, and those juniper branches would flavor it to start with, but it also filter out all the grain so you wouldn't have, you know, a fucking chunky-ass beer. Um, they'd, put their, they'd put their grain in there. They'd convert it with a little bit of water they could boil in their small pots. And then in order to get the gravity up, they'd want to boil some of that water off. So what they do is they would take these stones, usually granite, put them into a fire with whatever wood they had, get these stones as hot as they could, and then drop them into the beer to evaporate it off. And we've done this several times and made whiskey out of it and thrown botanicals in at the same time. And it turns out fucking wonderful. Um, hold on just a second, guys. There's, fucking, there's, there's food. I got excited. <laughs> I thought that was a bear keep for a minute. Fucking fried fried fucking cabbage. I ate a bird. I ate a fucking bird on the internet. (laughs) I thought it was a parrot. I was like, God damn, she got a parrot. Legend. (laughs) But uh, hell yeah, that shit distills awesome. And I think you could do the same thing with Boche. Yeah, and I'll say the stone beer, like like the one that we done at, at Beck's Mill. That's the only thing that I've ever had ever. That, dis- that distills and sp- smells and tastes the same exact way that it did the day that we were mashing in, mm-hmm. like that, to a tea. That's the beauty of it. I can't, I don't know why. I would think that a lot more of the uh, the traditional brewers would be doing stuff like that, especially putting in small stills and wanting to run like something like that. Because it's, dude, that's the earliest. I suspect that that's what early whiskey in Ireland and Scotland was. It was exactly yeah. that. It wasn't, you know, on the Irish side, yeah, you had the monks and they were making specific beers for distillation. On the north side, though, the Gaul, the Gaul side, 
they for sure saw all this distillation happening and they were like, Hey, we make beer too. We just do it a little bit differently. What happens if we fucking distill this and do it this way? And I think yeah. that if, if you were in the right place at the right time and in, in the British Isles, that's what whiskey was in the early days. So what, one of my favorite things I've ever done is honey. It came out amazing. I, I didn't caramelize it or anything. I'll have to try that next time. I, I can afford to do that run because it's fucking expensive as shit. <laughs> Absolutely. But, it, it was amazing. Like even just, I just put it in the, th I put, uh, I made a mash and, uh, it cost me, uh, the same price. That's as all that video. Good. And that video has 5 million views. Now the small one on, uh, Facebook. And you know what all the views is, is everyone's bitching at me. Cause I called it moonshine. I called it honey moonshine. <laughs> and, uh, they got fucking mad, dude. That's fucking sugar shine. Blah, blah, blah. I don't give yeah. a fuck about the specific shit, man. It just tastes good, though. Back before I got in the legal industry, that's how I, I made my name here locally when I was selling shine at the farmer's market and shit, was I was doing basic sugar shines. I was using our Lee Sinclair mash bill, but it was just, again, one pound of grain per gallon, basically 60% corn, 17 wheat, 13 oats, and 10 malt. But my trick was, because my shit was better than all their stuff, they, everybody would always wonder what the hell I was doing different. The only thing I was doing any different at that time, because I didn't know anything else. I didn't even know how to make a cereal mash at that time. The only thing I did different was we had an Amish family that came to the farmer's market every week. And they were like 15 kids in this family. And every kid in that family had something that that kid, that kid did. They were responsible for, right? Well, three of the brothers kept beehives. And when I say they kept beehives, I mean they kept beehives. Like hundreds of beehives. Mm -hmm. And I could literally buy a 50 gallon barrel of honey off these kids for 300 to 500 dollars depending the only difference between my sugar shine and everybody else's around here was i wasn't using sugar i was using honey that was the yeah. only difference Hell yeah. so if, if i was going to do that again and phil billy you might like this because you're talking about the cost wise like if you want to do a caramelized one because like i said earlier and you do create some unfermentable sugar so you're kind of wasting some of it as far as your alcohol goes but you're getting more flavor you could always in my mind, caramelize, say you're doing, for ease of math, 10, 10 pounds of honey, caramelize a quarter of it and caramelize it further than you would if you were going to make a boche. So that way you have that and then you could just add that into your, into your ferment for your, yeah. for that. So that way you're getting that caramelized flavor. Use it like because a I, Yeah. Yeah. Because I will say, so the difference between my two uh, honey shines that I made, the first one was not caramelized and Alan can kind of have attested this because he's had it, um, the, I, the, the honey was there, but it was I, just very, very minute. There wasn't a whole lot of honey flavor. The second one that I'd done, it, it had, and the honey came through heavy on it. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, and, and the second I, one was just clover honey. It wasn't anything, like, special. Yeah, or it, it was fantastic. like, it, if you go to Walmart and you have the, get those little, they look like little miniature jugs. That, that's what I used for, for my second one. It was... I liked it. And, and also, um, so I did it with the, just straight honey and cut it down. And then I also did some shit. What did I, what did I put that? Oh, uh, dried apricots. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Some, that was good. My, my, I'm uh, doing this one with brambles and mulberries. And I, I already started the experiment, but ran into a problem. I was uh, sanitizing the brambles and mulberries with uh, Campton. And it seems like the the seeds cracked open and restarted fermentation. 
and it uh interesting i gotta get rid of all this so i gotta collect some more berries for this interesting yeah uh what are you gonna do with it? I just, just pasteurize. Uh, I'm probably gonna. I'm probably yeah. I'm probably gonna freeze the juice and use it for something else. <laughs> gotcha. I'm yeah. definitely not just gonna throw it out. I don't throw anything out. I don't waste anything. Nope. I don't either. The only the only nope. thing I don't I don't. It recycle. doesn't smell good though. The whatever yeast is in there is it, it's nice. It's probably malolactic. I I'd assume because it's it's got to be super low in in pH. It's just berry juice. You know it. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine it's 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 very good, but you, I'll, I'll you, figure something out for it. <laughs> you might be getting some of that phenolic flavor from the seeds too. Um, which Probably, I put actually, some pectic in there, so. Yeah, then that that phenolic flavor actually distills across really well as a white spirit too, because um, you hold on mm. to more more of what makes the fruit the fruit when it's ripe. So, but uh, so maybe a little bit of that thumper somewhere might. Uh, might be good mm -hmm. little infusion yeah i'm like you man i don't when i'm at home usually unless we're just drunk and lazy i uh, don't throw much of anything out i'll uh, almost always find a way to redistill it unless it's heads and then we mm -hmm. i don't really fuck around with heads at home the only thing i do with them is use them to start fires or i'll use them they'll actually burn in those those coleman lanterns and they do a pretty good I job use them for extraction yeah. i use them to extract Randall, I'm, I'm curious, man. What, you, what all you got back there in them bad mo barrels, buddy? Oh man, you want to see? Let's yes, see. I, I got to see. see. Okay, for, so for right now, I have. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. I got this one. The 175 is my uh, bourbon, and then I don't know what that one is. 863 is a rum, and then I have these mm. two. I don't know if you've ever seen the 1030 barrels. 1030. Yeah, I'm working with them now too. Okay, they're a little smaller. I got this one. It's a French oak that uh, had wine in it, and it has what the hell does it have in it? Oh, it has my Irish, my Irish whiskey in it, and then uh, which is triple, triple distilled, and then I have a wheat whiskey in a in a new barrel, and that's it for right now. I got the uh, the rye fixing to go into one of them. I'm thinking about dumping the rum uh, and putting the rye in the rum barrel. And then I have the Oregon oak barrel that I'm sipping on that, that sweet corn uh, whiskey from uh, Christopher, which is yeah. actually pretty good. For four months old, it's pretty freaking good on that Oregon oak. You so just I'm reminded gonna, me that I have that. I'm going to go get a glass real quick. I'll be right absolutely. back. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's share. I wish the, I wish the rest of y'all could have some of this because it's, it's pretty good. For a four-month-old uh, whiskey, um, and he uses Oregon oak, which is – he said it's a little spicier, almost like French oak, I guess. So it's pretty interesting. It's got a pretty good color on it. And the flavor, it's obviously a little green. It needs a little more time. But that's, and I don't know what he means by sweet corn. I don't know if he used literal canned sweet corn or if he uh, made a UJSSM or something like that. But uh, the flavor is really good on it. So I'm excited. So, um, it, uh, are they going to continue to sell those barrels? Okay, so Alan might know a little more than I do, but so what I heard. For, yeah, so here's here's what I was told by Christopher, who him and him and his his partner are supposed to take it over, and they're going to get back into production. But the issue is, there's a lot of things that Ben did that he can't do, like the square space and the selling of them and stuff like that. So if he's having He's having a little bit of an issue with getting all the legality part of it 
back together, but he assured um, everybody that, you know, before too long, obviously they're taking time to get over the loss and stuff like that, but um, they're, they're for sure going to get back into it because they have obviously a number of, uh, of orders to fill and then a bunch of other people like Alan and Jesse and myself that are just yelling at them to get more barrels out. So, yeah. Send more stuff. Send more, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, they're, 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 they're already, I don't know if you saw or not. So he, he does, he, like you said, he, he lost access to all the digital stuff. Yeah. So they're working around that. Ben, I don't know if you, if you saw it or not, but uh, he did post that they built the first barrel the, uh, yesterday or maybe today. Okay. So they are back that. in the building. We did find them uh, sources for Oak. Um, I found them too. And then he found another source and I know they did that. They just bought some Oak. So it's headed that okay. way now. Awesome. They'll probably still have problems keeping up because Ben was at 200 barrels, 200 plus barrels a month and still couldn't couldn't yeah. keep up with what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is for anybody out there listening, if you have some ingenuity and some engineering skills and you go to the Bad Motivator website or you go look at Jesse's video that he did with Ben, mm -hmm. he literally shows you exactly how they were building these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Wayne's probably going to punch me in the face for saying this, but Wayne and I have something like that that we're going to do as well. So I think the cool thing is, 1030 never mess with bad motivator bad motivator never mess with 1030 two different size formats same idea if wayne and i do this we'll go a size up is what we'll do mm. and we and we'll probably honestly if we do it we may stick to just used oak honestly oh that's nice so um because i'm i'm much more interested in used oak than i am new oak in the first place so uh joe yes i have tried to rechar a small barrel after the first use <laughs> and depending on Depending on what kind of barrel it is, um, you know, it, the smaller they are, the harder they are to put back together is what I'd fucking say. Yeah. Uh, I've had far more failures at that than I've had success for sure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, some of them, if you're if you're talking like a 10 or a 15 gallon, a lot of times you can drive the, the rings off and take the head out of it and uh, just go in and take like I take like a, a one of those. I don't know how you call it, like a scraper used on the bottom of a lawnmower deck. I take one of those and just scrape the existing char level off all the way around and then hit it with a uh, map gas and rechar it that way. Or you can hit it. You can take some heads and throw in there and set it on fire and let it char that way too. Now that's not, again, when I'm at home doing shit and not being super scientific, a lot of times I'm about half fucking drunk when I'm doing it. So, you know, it might be a two char. It could be a fucking five char. Who knows? <laughs> it's burnt. That's all we need. Right. Smells like marshmallows. <laughs> So I, I do want to touch on something. We talked about it a while ago, and I didn't get a chance to ask. Um, you guys were talking about uh, Sugar Shine and malted whiskeys and people doing malted whiskeys doing really well with that at home versus someone trying to do bourbon. Do you think that's because, like, if you're using a distiller's malt plus some maybe roasted malts because of the ease of uh, conversion for something like that versus trying to do something that's more bourbon-related that's at least 51% corn and then trying to convert that you think that's where the the ease or, or the people that are doing well with that malted stuff is, is coming in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, because people don't realize that corn, you know, if, if you're used to working with corn, it's not a big deal, but if yeah. you're not and you're getting new to the game and you've just done a UJSSM or something like that, you don't realize that you have to gelatinize it. And then you got to do all this other shit to it. So it's like using malt is just so much easier. You bring it up to 145, 150, let it sit for 30 minutes, 
drain it out, you're good to go. Or put it on the grain, however you want to do it. So, the- I mean, it just makes it so much easier. The other, the other trick to it is that a lot of the guys that started doing malt at home like that, they were brewers, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So they already have equipment set up to handle malt and to be able to lauder it, you know, and I don't know how many people here have tried to lauder anything other than malt, yeah. uh, but work. I can tell you that it's all, you can make it work, but it yeah. is a fucking cunt is what yeah. it is. It is. I think I remember you trying to lauder something this last winter, Alan, but I can't remember what it was. I knew you it was fought rye. It. it was it that was stupid rye. Rye, yeah. rye is what it was. That yeah. fucking rye malt step mash bullshit. And wait, Wayne is set up to do that, and he makes it look so easy in his fucking videos. I just wish I was there one time when he was recording, so I'd be like, see, I knew you were fucking editing stuff out of this. Because it fucking easy. <laughs> Alan was mad at work for like a week. I know, mm-hmm. I and mean, that's what it was. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, here, the problem was, it was like it was on a Sunday, right? And my Sundays are sacred. I just, it, it's shit around the house or hanging out with you guys or hanging out with the family, whatever. And so I, I was going to work on it, and I was like, you know, I, it, this is a, a rye whiskey. I don't have to go to a high temperature. If I use the old Pennsylvania step mash thing, which I understand the process for, and I have the equipment with the Dr. Gratis, like, all together, this should be an hour-long project. Fuck that. It turned into, like, ten fucking hours dealing with this shit. <laughs> yeah. this, Lost this my whole Sunday. Be, this is yep. supposed to be Sunday fun day. There's nothing fun here. Nothing fun here at all. Nothing. <laughs> yep. And then I fucking about half-ass scorched it the first time, too, so I ended up... I, I distilled it like a dumbass, because I'm an idiot and i was like oh it'll be all right and i got done with it and i smelled it i tasted of course i've been drinking so i couldn't couldn't really tell and i fucking let it set i came out there and i tried it the next day i'm like this is fucking trash this is absolute just garbage giant waste of time and resources and energy so yeah that happens alan i do want to tell you something oh go ahead go ahead A, a lot of people don't realize that sometimes in, in doing this shit, you will kick a barrel over in your fucking driveway and just let it fucking roll down because yep. sometimes shit don't turn out the way you expect it to. Oh, and, you uh, ain't wrong, man. You ain't wrong. And and you know what? That's a, that's a thing too. I think that uh, moonshiners and home distillers, if they you know if they're looking at legal guys, um, it don't get better on the legal side either. Oh my god, it gets so much fucking worse because there's so many, much more equipment that you're dealing with. Like, there's nothing worse than like a chiller breaking and you call the guy and you're like, can you come look at this fucking chiller? And he's like, oh yeah, I'll be there in a few minutes. Fucking four hours later, you're like, where is this motherfucker? And why isn't he here? Or we you don't call, deal with that at all. My favorite is, about, Alan. well, we're, we're going to explain it for everybody because it's, it's a fun conversation to have. People don't realize that this happens in a distillery. So if you're a rural distillery and you're in an area where there haven't been legal distilleries since before prohibition, and you don't hire people to come in from the local city that deal with distilleries to set up your shit. Just go ahead and expect that everything is going to be fucked up to some degree, especially your boiler system. My favorite is something goes wrong with the boiler. And over the years, I've taught myself with boilers. Like I roughly usually have an idea of what's going on and how to fix it. But it's because I've had to because every boiler guy I've ever fucking dealt with does the same thing. He walks in. He walks around. He looks at all the liquid levels on everything. He turns the valve here and there, lets a little liquid out or whatever. He smacks something with a hammer. And then he makes up some bullshit lingo about the Blaja Haja isn't doing what it's supposed to fucking do. And then he goes, I'll be all got to go to this other job. I'll be back later. Motherfucker doesn't know any more about it than I do. He's just making shit up. 100% whole cloth, just making shit up, just not to have to deal with me. Yep. Just look for something broken. Mm -hmm. Look for the obvious. Yeah. So I don't. 
Like it's my, <laughs> that's my last ditch effort at this point. Like with the boiler, if something's wrong with the boiler, I'll work on it for three hours before I call this fucking guy. Yep. Because there's a good chance I'm going to figure it out. And there's a good chance that if, if he comes in, he's just going to make up some shit to make it seem like he knows what he's talking about. And then he's going to follow it up with, well, I don't know what to do about it. Here, what a fucking hired you for. Yeah. Here's your bill. <laughs> fucking well, it's like It's like having a, having a wire with alligator clips <laughs> connecting wires on the chiller. That's never happened. <laughs> That has never, never happened. happened. Yeah. It has wow. never once happened, ever. <laughs> Alan, I do want to show you something because I got it today, um, and you know him. I'm not sure if anybody, everybody else here does, but uh, Connor Kelly, uh, he's a legal distiller. He worked, uh, shoot, I can't remember where he worked at in Utah, but he uh, is working at another distillery now, but he sent me a couple of these. Uh, that's their bourbon. He sent me a honey bourbon and their spice rum. It's actually going into the to the raffle on Tuesday raffle. and stuff, Alan, but I do want to try to get a hold of him and get some of that stuff to do a tasting. Um, unfortunately, I can't open those, but they're freaking, I love the bottles because they're, they're super simple. Mm-hmm. I like and that. They're, just, they're cool as shit. That is a cool. Yeah. Yeah. Get with them and get, get some samples and we'll bring you yeah. on and him on distillers talk and do it on distillers talk. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be a blast. Hey, uh, Phil, do you, do you mind too? And Justin, only if you want to, but, uh, so Justin does have something coming up this week and, and something that he's raising, raising some money for, uh, if it's okay with, with Phil to kind of talk about that. You, you guys can talk about whatever you want. You could send people to your site, your page, everyone here could, 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 you know what I'm saying? Say whatever you want, man. Only, uh, only feet.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm going there after this is over. <laughs> Daddy's hungry, send money. <laughs> Only toe jam. That's what it is. Um, so, so uh, Phil, I'll send you. I'll send you some information on it. Also, if you don't mind posting it. Um, so, my wife Tiffany um, had breast implants put in about twelve years ago, um, and she's been having some issues with them the last few years. It kind of got chalked up to uh, um, stress from work, things like that. We both worked in, in EMS and I worked fire department, but kind of got chalked up stress from work, things like that. Well, she got out of that job and kept having issues. And she finally, her doctor had said, Hey, this could be an issue with your, your breast implants because there's this thing called breast implant illness. Um, not so much them leaching out because they don't use solid, uh, silicone implants anymore, but they're still silicone encased. Um, and that silicone is causing issues. So she's went through the processes of some testing and things like that. Um, they also found a couple of growths on her right breast, and one of them has kind of gotten a little bit bigger or uh, multiplied, but still uh, non-cancerous is what they've said. Um, but she's gone through the process of uh, finding somewhere to actually get these removed. Uh, we're going to be going to a surgeon down in uh, Jupiter, Florida, but her uh, surgery date is actually January of 2025. Uh, that's how far how far back they're pushed. Now, the thing is, um, we've got part of it paid off right now. We've got our spots set up. Uh, we're working on getting the rest of it paid off. Um, once it's paid off, she can get bumped up um, as far as surgery date goes, which is what we're hoping. So we're actually uh, we're doing a fundraiser there at work. Uh, it'd be the 18th, so this next coming Tuesday, starting at four o'clock uh until we've said nine o'clock but if it goes further than that we'll we'll be there um we're doing some cool stuff there barbecue uh so 
some silent auctions. Uh, I've taken some of my collection as far as bottles go and also have gotten some really cool donations as far as bottles go that I'm doing a raffle. Um, I actually have started doing online ticket sales for that. Uh, um, and I'll send that to you as well, Phil, uh, if, you, if you wouldn't mind posting that. Um, I've got like a Google sheet that shows exactly what all is in there. Uh, well, actually, within the last two, how long have I done the online? What, two days, I think? Um, yeah. Uh, I've been doing the online stuff for two days. I'm going to cut the online sales off Monday, uh, so that way I have it to have, make sure I have time to fill everybody's tickets out, and then Tuesday we're going to do on-site sales for the raffle, um, but within the last uh, few days, I've raised almost $700, I think, just on the online ticket sales for that. Um, I'm also raffling off what, I, what I've finally decided to call the Spirits of French Lick experience, um, to where somebody's going to get to come in and hang out. Uh, with Alan and I, um, run the still, mash in whatever that person wants to do. Uh, they're going to get a bottle from out front of their clean, choosing. Clean the toilet. Clean the toilet. Yes, <laughs> it's a. You're going to do what? Yeah, exactly. You're going to do what? What Pedro hired in to do. Yes. Um, you're going to get a bottle from out front. Uh, a good friend of mine actually donated two bottles uh, from Starlight that he picked. Um, and then also he is doing a pick at French Lick in September. And he said the winner of that can also have a spot on that pick. Um, they're going to be picking a high proof apple brandy. So there's a lot going on. Uh, I'd appreciate anybody that can either come or possibly donate to it would be, would be awesome. Uh, we just, my main thing is I want to, I want to get the surgery kind of paid off so that way we can maybe put bumper surgery data up. I know she's, fairly anxious about it. She's got a lot of stuff going on um, that I'm just kind of trying to be there for her and, and hoping everybody else can also. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'll post a link uh, on all my stuff. Just uh, send me a link to, uh, mm -hmm. to whatever, you know, if you got a page or whatever, and then I'll, I'll post it everywhere. Hell yeah. I'll send, I'll send you the event page to you. Um, the event page will be like the, the Facebook event for the, for the actual live event and then i'll send you i should be able to send you my most recent post that has the the actual uh the raffle stuff for the bottles um there's like i said there's a general raffle there's a, a grand prize raffle which that's the one that i'm telling everybody to, to go for because it's some stuff from spirits french like that you'll probably never see again um or if you do see it it'll be either under a different label or, or a different different blend or something like that uh, Hard Truth actually um, donated a four-person ATV tour of their facility, and shoot, what's the other thing that's that's being raffled? There's one other thing. I don't know. There, there's one other thing that I'm that I'm raffling off as well. So, but I'll I'll, I'll send that all to you. Hell yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. And you guys uh, uh, keep an eye for that and check that out. Um, uh, Dixie really wanted her question answered. Uh, yeah. So if anybody could give her uh, an opinion, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So for uh, me, for for me, with what you have on hand, um, the obvious one that comes to mind there for me would be the barley. But barley can also, as a white spirit, sometimes go a little bit towards. <clears throat> this sounds terrible, but towards dog food, um, as far as the aroma goes. So if I were going to do it, I'd probably use cracked corn and a little bit of barley. Um, go a little bit to the softer and sweeter side. I'll tell you, peach brandy 
and wheat works really, really well together. Um, especially malted wheat, if you can get a hold of it, because malted wheat's got a little apricot flavor to it anyways. Um, but barring that, the cracked corn, maybe like 90% cracked corn, 10% barley. Um, I'm presuming that that's, that, I don't know if that's malted barley or rye barley, but either one will work. If it's, if it's raw barley, it actually worked really well because raw barley kind of comes off as like a, a slight green apple. So um, you might be able to, if it's just raw barley, you might be able to do 100% raw barley with the peaches. Um and make that work out good. So, but. Alan, with with that, do you think you could do if you did like a malted barley? I know sometimes it does the the dog food thing, but if you would either double distill that or maybe even triple distill just the barley, and then go in and blend that with the peach, because I know a lot of times if you like if you look at Irish, um, the triple distilled stuff, you get a lot of that apricot stuff, mm-hmm. or even the the honey that would go well with the peach. Yeah. Yeah, so you talk, you're talking about doing them, mashing them individually, then distilling and then blending. Yeah, you can do it that way, too. Um, it's more controllable that way. Yeah. Um, that's that's what... Uh, I think we clean the toilet if I get to follow you all around in between cleanings. <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, we'll, we'll give you month, other, other fun month, jobs from time to time, for sure, Chris. Mo- Monday is cleaning day. <laughs> we clean that's the toilet. That's Butterbean from TikTok, y'all. Yeah, Monday... Monday is uh, Alan being obsessive compulsive fucking asshole day is what Monday is. It's, it's red lids everywhere day is what that is. Fuck you, fucking, Alan. You cocksucker. We have these stupid little fucking red, like they're like little red cups that they put they put in empty barrels when they ship to you. And they're just the, they're the right color of red that like no matter where they're setting, you can fucking see them. And we don't need them. We get like thousands of them every year from the empty barrels that we have. And this fucking cocksucker never throws anything away ever throws anything away he just leaves shit laying wherever it's at but he purposely leaves these fucking red cups in places he knows where i'll see him and i'm like a fucking bull in a china shop on monday anyways because i don't want to be there and i walk in i'm cleaning shit up and i'm looking around going why the fuck is there a red fucking cup on top of the fucking ice machine i i filled a box with like one of our spirits boxes with these red cups and set it up on the door so when he walked in it would dump on him one day just because it worked. Uh, it worked. <laughs> Ru- I got it. Oh, go ahead, Phil Billy. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had a question for you, Alan. Um, where can can people buy your uh, your liquor at? Mm-hmm. Not Texas. Um, yeah, it's in Texas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's in Texas. All right, but not not necessarily close to you. Liquor King would be the main outlet, but they yeah. and. And they should be, if you have a Liquor King anywhere near you, they should be able to ship between stores. But, no. gotcha. But they're, they're, the, they're actually, man, they're up there with fucking New Orleans for the stuff they bring in from us as far as, like, the amount and number of single barrels. Um, we have distribution, widespread distribution in Indiana. We have distribution in Kentucky. We've got a little bit in Tennessee, a little bit in New York, a little bit in New Jersey. Um, Illinois. Uh, Missouri, I'm going to have to check. We had it in Missouri for a while, but I'm not sure we still have that. Um, definitely Louisiana, South Louisiana in particular, uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge in particular. Um, North Carolina, a little bit in South Carolina, but those are like barrel picks. It's not a widespread thing there. The control states are hard to fucking finagle and deal with. Um, Alabama? I don't know. Do we have Alabama? I don't know. I thought we had Alabama because we. I had somebody on Miss, Mississippi. We do. Mississippi's the the real. 
big another real big one for us. That's a huge account for us. Yeah, that's um, where uh, Sean Consley is in with. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Canada, we're we're apparently pretty fucking popular in Canada, from what I understand. So <laughs> I don't know how I know how it worked because we had some followers on Instagram from Canada, but how other people in Canada found us, I don't I don't know for sure. But yeah, which that one. Them. That one throws me for a loop, by the way, because I've got some friends in Canada before I started working with you, Alan, and they were telling me what, like, how much bourbon is up there as far as price-wise, and, like, mm-hmm. what would cost, like, uh, Evan Williams White Label, the yep. Baldwin Bonds, down here is, what, 20 bucks? It's, like, $50, $60 up there. Yep. I, yeah, and that, I could imagine what our product would cost up there. Well, I mean, that was that was one of the first conversations we actually had with the distributor. So my understanding of it is that you're basically going to pay the same for anything low shelf up there as what you pay for something high shelf most of the time. Yeah. So because the way the control laws work, um, we've we've looked at, and I need to follow up on this. Uh, we have a we have a pretty good following thanks to a couple people actually in the Netherlands, and so there was some conversation of exporting into the Netherlands, which is. Apparently, for such a small country, it's disproportionately bourbon centric. So, um, we always we we're, our intent was never to become a huge distillery and get to fifty states and be in a bunch of different countries. The goal was always like t- spirits of fr- spirits of French Lick, Dustin. Um, the goal was always to be kind of a, a cult status sort of thing right and we've, we've kind of gotten that point like the people that like us really like us and they'll they'll fucking people drive hours and hours and hours away to come pick up our stuff at the distillery they'll buy cases and they'll ferry it back to wherever they're from to take it back to their buddies so we've kind of become i joke that we become like the the first evil dead movie of distillers like it was an accidental fucking success but uh 15 states for us is a pretty good pretty good stretch in the market and I think because of the style of distilling that I that I'm into, um, and the way it's tied culturally and culinarily, it seems like there's a certain swath of the the South and Southeast into a little bit of the South Midwest, and then certain parts of Canada. And I, I have to presume that the Canadians are all Rush fans and or Trailer Park Boys fans, or they're not going to understand our whiskey. So. Here you go, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, I made 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 Justin go go find that one. <laughs> what it reminds me of uh, is kind of like you guys remember when Three Floyds. You guys drink beer. Yeah, I know who Three Floyds is for sure. That's definitely a Indiana mainstay for sure. So when they was first, uh, uh, I don't know if it was when they first, but there was a huge thing where like people would go and try and find Three Floyds. I still and stand do. in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real crazy there for a while. Uh, it's kind of like it's more plentiful now. Like there's more available, I guess, here. But here it was like everyone was trying to get it, couldn't get it, and and that that's what what it kind of reminds me of. Uh, we just had a conversation. I need to come out. Yeah, yeah. Come by sometime. We had a conversation about Three Floyds the other day that that still goes on in Indiana, where people were literally go from liquor store to liquor store. And you'll be standing there doing a tasting or something, and some dude will just randomly open the door and be like, "Hey, y'all got any fucking gumball head?" No, and then they just shut the door and walk away. I can buy that shit every day in here in Washington. Oh, I guarantee. Like it. they have it on the shelf every day. Mm-hmm. I, I like the gumball head. Yeah. Maybe I need to. Maybe uh, there needs to be a beer secondary market so I can start, retire. Start bootlegging some beer. Yeah, absolutely. When a couple years ago, you could have. 
I mean, you could sell three Floyds like crazy. Mm-hmm. You could. There was a secondary market for it, like like there is with bourbon now. There was a secondary market for like zombie dust. Mm-hmm. Like you could get fucking some money out of a six pack of zombie dust, dude. It's it's become yeah, it was- crazy crazy to me from just our distillations at Spirits of French Lick after going into year going into year eight now. Some of those limited edition things we did and some of those single barrels out front, they pop up on secondary market. And they oh, pop do they up really? yeah, and they pop up in, in Kentucky on bars because in Kentucky you can buy vintage spirits, quote unquote. <coughs> they pop up in Kentucky on bars where they've bought where bars have bought those bottles from private people. So huh. And every time I see it, I have a moment of what the what the fuck is how does how how did we get to that point at just well, be like, eight years old? Be like the unpretentious or the right way or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've seen a lot of that stuff pop up, and they don't go for crazy prices, but they'll go like unpretentious. Literally, I've seen a bottle of it for four fifty before. So oh shit. So yeah. what's the uh, do you have bourbons and, and like what all are your, your main products mm-hmm. and how long do you age age them? So <clears throat> we kind of have four pillars. So it's bourbon, brandy, botanical spirits, and then American whiskeys. So American whiskeys being like rye, single malt, etc. Um, but it's kind of a ready fire aim mentality as well. Uh, so there's, we've done a little bit of everything. We do absinthe, we do gin, we do aquavit, we've done some eau de vies, we do um, uh, weird, unique finishes. Like we did an apple brandy that was finished in an, uh, a smoky, <clears throat> smoky Isla barrel. Um, so it's really a little bit of everything overall. And the, the maturation period just depends. When we started, we put out Lee Sinclair at two years old, but that had a lot to do with the uh, aging room that we had at the time that we still have, um, which is more like a brandy cellar. So it doesn't get real hot, <clears throat> doesn't get real cold. It never stops aging all year round. So we get four full seasons every year of complete in and out movement within the wood which is what you need for great maturation in a, uh, in a bourbon. Um, so we're able to do two-year-old stuff, but our main impetus is bottled and bonds, uh, uh, brandies and bourbons and rise. So four years old, product of one distiller and one, one season uh, defined as either spring or fall, uh, meeting all the other requirements of bourbon uh, and being 100 proof. And the goal there was that, you know, bottled and bonds still had some connotation of quality. That's you fucking right, Michael. Yes. They better not be fucking Nickelback fans. That's for sure. Nickelback fans don't need to drink my bourbon because they have no taste anyway. Stick to vodka. If somebody wanted to buy a whole barrel, like, you know how they do store picks. Mm -hmm. Uh, If somebody wanted to buy a whole barrel, are you guys open to selling whole barrels of your bourbon? Yep, I would say that that's probably 50% of our business is single barrels. I mean, we do a ton of single barrels every year. Um, we just finished up a, a list of, what, 15 or 20? Mm-hmm. In fact, we... If, if we really wanted to, and honestly, as a business decision, it would be smart, we could probably flip everything over to just single barrel business and sell Absolutely. everything a single barrel. So, for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm getting a bottle of 17-year-old four roses here soon <laughs> it's, it's no, be, i can't wait to try it i mm-hmm. swear four, uh four roses would probably be one of the only bourbons that i would want to have at 17 18 years old yeah because i, I think they do some really years. cool stuff yeah and one how i'm getting it is somebody bought a whole barrel that was left over and i'm not going to say what company but there's a company that's pretty new and while they was getting started 
they had to source liquor kind of way that people do with MGP. Mm-hmm. And they was sourcing liquor for the Four Roses. And uh, they have a couple left over. Their their liquor now is ready. And and they have some left over. And somebody went and bought one of them. And now they're, they're pumping it out. It's, nice. it's, it's fucking single barrel. And, and I can't wait to get it. You know, that's, that's, I only get one. <clears throat> that's one thing that I'm I'm really proud of though is that that at our distillery. So we laid out rules when we or I laid out rules when I started there because they wanted to make straight up sweetened liqueurs and stuff like that. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people at home do that, and a lot of a lot of distilleries do that. But they already had a sweet wine company, and I told them up front, I'm like, all right, do you want to sell one bottle of sweetened liqueur and lose sales on three bottles of wine for the same price? Or do you want to make bourbon and rye and apple brandy and, and get attention from people who are really into spirits? And so we laid that out as a plan. And then the next plan was never, ever buy. Well, let me rephrase that because it got changed over time. Never, ever sell anything from MGP. And it's not because we don't love MGP because in the state that we're in, of course, they kept the lights on for everybody after prohibition. And I respect the hell out of them. Yep. Um and we only ever bought one product and bottled it. We did our first weeded bourbon was 60% R two year old stuff, 40% uh, Wyoming whiskey. I don't think I'm supposed to say that still, but it's whiskey from Wyoming. There's like two distilleries there. So fucking you figure it out anyways. We aged for two extra years, then we blended. But I did buy, and I don't know if Justin's ever tried this or not. We'll have to hunt it down one day in the next couple of weeks. I did buy seven or eight MGP barrels and we sat on them for a year and we flipped them for twice the price, but I kept one barrel. They were three years old when they came in and that was in 2017. So it's got some some age setting on it. I don't know what will ever happen to it, but. So uh, (laughs) I want to try that. I'm going to get rid of it for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Alan, there's something that I actually tried today whenever Chris was there um, because we tried some stuff in the barrel room and then I took them up to the Rick houses. And we were actually, I was actually going to drill a barrel of Pendalston, but I seen some barrels and I didn't realize what it was until after I drilled it. Um, so, there's some old uh, barrels up there from another distillery that has multi grain in it. Have you tried that since you put it in a barrel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. That's the stuff that I told you that's going to sit there until it's 10. Yeah. That's I, 10. I realized that after I tried it. Yep. That is phenomenal. Yep. That's, that's, a, that's all Solaris system. So you will, you'll find very few barrels that are from the same company. Yep. In there. So, yep. um, and that's the goal is to make that a 10 year blend and then to be able to release a version of it every year for the next 10 years after that. So, yep. And it's all used oak. There's no new, new oak in there. That's all yeah. used oak. So, um, but I'm, I'm curious. So I, I have Rune Sean, We've only we've only communicated just a little bit. I'm curious. What what's your background? Yeah. Where, where'd you come from? How'd you get into distillation? And and uh, I, I know you're you're a obviously interested in um, you know I don't know if you're into into Odinism or if you're into specifically yeah. you know more than the nature sort of path. But you're obviously into that. Yeah. You're obviously into alchemy. Um, so mm-hmm. you know I'm all about spirituality and distillation. I, I'm curious. I mean, I, I started out with extractions. I started out in the in the extractions doing, I mean, kind of growing cannabis in the cannabis industry, doing extractions like that, and also herbalism and other kinds of, you know, botanical extractions for about 10 years and never 
really occurred to me that I had been doing chemistry for so long and, you know, I have the knowledge to distill. Why haven't I? And then, uh, you know, prior I'd, I'd been making wine for about four years, just some, you know, low level closet, closet wine, just juice, you know, sugar, you know, baker cheese, nothing fancy. And then just figured someone, somebody mentioned to me, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you doing something with that? Why aren't you, you know, making some liquor with it, doing something further? So, I did my first distillation on a still I seen I think Phil Billy's post about uh, the little pickle pickle jar still yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah. Man, it's that easy to put together a fucking still. I, I <laughs> built my own little pressure cooker still and cooked off my, my first batch and my buddy of mine thought I'd done it before, didn't help me at all or whatever and then, you know, took it took a sip or whatever and I was like, Yeah, how do you like my first batch? He's like, I'd have helped you. I knew that was your first batch. Like, this is your first batch. This is really fucking good, Junior Sutton. You need to fucking do something with this. I was like, all right, well, shit. So I've been at it for I'm going, I'm on my second year now. Well, very cool. If, and, if yeah. You, yeah. That's awesome. If you're watching this, don't try the pickle still. You will fuck your shit no, up. No. <laughs> <laughs> or so funny funny <laughs> story about the pickle still, by the way. So Justin knows that at lunchtime, when I eat, I sit down at my desk and I'll watch like still it or I'll watch different distilling videos. <laughs> Do you remember that, Justin? Fucking, oh, yeah. I pull up the video and it's the fucking pickle still. And Justin, he sees it, you know, he's sitting kind of off to the side of me. He goes, is that a fucking pickle jar? And he goes, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and I was like, I had the same reaction, but I couldn't get it out fast enough. He said it before I could fucking say it. I was like, yeah, it looks like a pickle jar on a fucking stove is what it looks like. You you had the same reaction as I did uh, trying to catch arms on fire. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a story I, for off the air. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm a professional. Uh, I'm a professional redneck. I, I, I fuck yeah. shit up. I, I blow shit up on purpose all the fucking time. Don't mm-hmm. try anything like that at home. You will fuck your kitchen up. Your wife will be mad. Uh, you, you know, you might catch some shit on fire, but <clears throat> I, I'm a professional. So that's what I tell people all the time about even basic old school premises like with absinthe. Listen, the maceration is at 140 degrees Fahrenheit with an open top still. And while I do it in videos over top and open flame, if you do that shit, you're an idiot. If you do that yeah, shit, you're absolutely. asking for it. As somebody True. who's flashed yeah. that off more than once, you're just fucking retarded. I do it all the time, but don't do it. It's just yeah. I've had a whole closet in flames before doing stupid shit with extractions. I definitely say the same thing. Don't don't do what I do. <laughs> no, no. And tops on so. tips on small barrel aging at home, all grain spirits. Very. That's a good question. So. Uh, well, Go ahead, Alan. Oh, no, you go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. So I, I've done some small barrel stuff at home. Um, if I was going to do it again, I would either A, barrel half of what I have and blend that in back with the new make that I kept back because you, um, small barrel, depending on how, how small you're going, you're going to over oak and you're not going to get that micro oxidization. Or uh, something that I've done here at home is I've had a small barrel um, and Alan's had this before. I didn't do it with something that I made, but I did it with another spirit. Uh, uh, a uh, shit, what was that? Uh, benchmark foolproof, just because I like that one. Um, I did a red wine in a small barrel for two or three months, dumped that wine out, and then put that in there. So I think a lot of times, if you're going to be using a small barrel, 
use it as a finishing barrel or use it as a, a blending product. Yeah, I agree. And my, my, my big advice with the, with the small barrels at home is don't fuck with gimmick barrels, guys. If it's under, if it's under 15 gallons and it doesn't come from a, a reputable cooperage who can tell you either if it's used barrel, what distillery it came from before and exactly what it had in it. And, or they can't tell you how old and how long that wood has been air seasoned. Then it better be air seasoned, not kiln dried. Stay mm-hmm. the fuck away from it. Cause nothing good is going to come yeah. out of it. The only company that made anything smaller than 15 gallons I know of that was really worth the time and effort was Anne Gray Cooperage in Indiana, and they're out of business now. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love the bad motivator stuff, because Ben yep. figured out a thing for small barrels that worked, and it worked based on surface area, and he's using 48-month air-seasoned oak, right? Guys, I, that's something that – that's why I encouraged everybody to go after bad mo barrels, even though they're hard to get. That's something we can't get 48 month old air seasoned oak at work. We can't even get guaranteed 24 month air seasoned at work. Um, but the trick, don't waste your money on shitty barrels. If you do nothing else, I'll, I'll throw a resource out there to you guys. Um, if you want 15 gallon barrels, because that's the first size that you get to, that's a pretty legitimate size that usually comes from a reputable cooperage and you don't mind them being used. They've either had bourbon or corn whiskey in them. Wood Hat Spirits in Missouri does sell their used barrels. Um, I'm not going to quote a price to you from it. I know what my price is, but you can reach out to them a lot of times and buy barrels from them. And they are fantastic barrels and they've had fantastic spirits in them before, but otherwise the bad most stuff is awesome. Um, the 1030 stuff that I've seen so far now, I haven't got to put anything in them myself for getting samples. So I have samples coming. That stuff seems awesome. Um, and I think there's a lot of levity there. And so this whole thing's about community. I had this thought too, Randall. I was just thinking about this. So with the bad mo thing, what I'd love to see with people with bad mo or 1030 is as people age stuff in those barrels, if you have a group of distillers that you know have those barrels and you know that the other guys or gals a pretty good distiller, there's no reason not to be kicking those barrels back and forth for people to use for finishing. Just trade barrels well, back and forth. Awesome. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a be really awesome. cool program. Yeah. So um, tips on aging used chips. So it's just me. I'm very, very picky. Uh, Randall probably feels the same way. Chips are not worth the time or effort. Um, they typically are low quality wood. They're typically just shredded up shit that the Cooperage had on hand that they swept up off the floor. They over extract super fast. They're super tannic. There's charm. No, you have yeah. to use them. Yep. There's no, no, yeah. If you have to use them, definitely charm. Or if you can, if you can age them yourself, that would help some. Where you can, if you're going to play around with that kind of stuff, stick with blocks or spirals. They seem to work a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sure Randall probably does something like this too. When I do, when I do wood like that, and so what I tend to use is once used uh, uh, barrels that I get from friends, and I cut them up or you know buy wood yeah. like that. A lot of French oak and stuff. What I have now. Mm-hmm. I tend to use old Forester barrel is what I have now. Hell yeah! Yeah, that saves from a single use old Forester barrel a good choice and don't try to rush it guys listen you're never going to get the effect out of um out of chips or any of that stuff that you're going to get out of a barrel it's not going to happen no, you're no, you're no. infusing shake with it flavor. often and keep opening it you get that microoxidation in there yep. as well aerated i bought a fish tank aerator that works really well mm-hmm. you you can use yeah. the 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 sonic cleaning shit works okay yeah. but it's not it's that you don't listen you're not finishing it in sonic aging you, that's a good way to preload oak into something. Extract, yeah. yeah. But what I like to do is I will heavily load wood in, into it when I start up. And, I, you know, if I, if I look at something, I say I need two pieces of stave to go into this jar to be a heavy load. That would be twice the wood that it would need overall. I'll put that in there. 
I let it set for a month before I even ever go back to it. I tried it a month. If I don't like it, I let it set for another month or two after that because a stave is not going to extract the way the chips do. There's not as, not, not as much surface area. Mm -hmm. After two or three months, I pull one half of that out. I set that shit back up there, and I let it set for eight or nine months. And then I start aerating it with the fish tank aerator. Yep. Um, or yep. pour it back and forth. like or, you know, Open it up, pour it back and forth. or All those things have some merit to them, but it ain't an overnight thing. It doesn't. It, it ain't going to improve your. And it's not a barrel. Yeah, it's not a barrel. Yeah, it's not right. a barrel. I use it as a test. Like, you got something. Like sometimes I'll make some liquor, and it's good. And you're like, how would that be on wood? Mm -hmm. So I'll take a quart and I'll put like some oak, some charred oak in there, and uh, I'll let it sit for eight weeks, and then I'll try it. And if it's great, I'm like, okay, now I could make that mash bill, put it in a barrel, and I would like it. Because if yeah. I like it on on aged in a quart yeah. jar for eight weeks, I'm going to love it in a fucking barrel. It gives you an um, idea of where to, it's headed. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've, I've done maple syrup once, and then I fucking put it on sugar maple wood. And I was going to try and keep the color light. Uh, and then I tasted it and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I was like, I paid too much money for this maple syrup to not like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was okay. So what I did then is I took the fucking sugar maple out and I put white oak in it and I let it sit for even longer and it came out way better, way better. I have ruined so much liquor over the years trying to fuck around with chips and stuff. I, I'll tell you a story. So a, a, another legal distiller friend of mine, a pretty big name, he, uh, he had a lot of oak alternative or a lot of barrel alternatives sitting around his distillery. And one day he pulled up and he had his car with him. His car was squatting and he had totes and totes of chips and box after box of, of very high end wine staves. And I was super excited for two reasons. I was super excited a, because those wine staves are fucking fan fantastic. And a lot of them were French oak and I knew I could use those. I got super excited about the wood chips. Cause I was like, well, now I got a way to start the fucking wood stove this winter. Right. And that's, and that's what they got used for. That's what almost all of them do. The other ones are getting ready. What I've got left, I've got a tote left. I'm getting ready to grow some fucking wine cap mushrooms on because fuck it, they need to be used for something. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, but otherwise, I wouldn't. The chips, I mean, staves are easy enough to get nowadays. You know, you can, you can look around and find some of these, these places that deal in used barrels. And, and sometimes that you can, if you know somebody that deals in used barrels, you can get staves for free. Um, they're out there, you know, there's no shortage of used oak. There's a shortage of new oak. So, um, it's, it, you know, and, and nothing, nothing against anybody that wants to age on chips. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you really want an experience, it's better than just white dog infused with a little bit of wood sugar, Yeah, go for staves and be patient. I mean, I've, again, you're not going to imitate a barrel, but I'll tell you, you play around with that oak. And if you have at least a couple varieties of oak, like you're playing around with the old forester staves, those are great. If you can get a if you can get a piece of a French oak stave somewhere and play with that, after eight or nine months, I threw a little bit of sugar maple in there with it. Yep. After eight or nine months, you'd be surprised what you can what you can pull off of it. It's never going to be a barrel, but it can be cool mm -hmm. and interesting. So yeah. So Alan or, or anybody else, um, just be, um, you're talking about the micro oxidation and everything. So you have those. Uh, food saver that makes them that you can pull a vacuum on a, on a mason jar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about putting uh, chips in a jar of alcohol and then putting that under vacuum and pulling it, letting it set for a few days, then taking it off the vacuum, let it set for a few days and then back and forth that way. 
I think you're still going to pull. Can enhance it. Yeah, it's going to mean gonna, yeah, pull more out of it. Um, one of the other things that Bad Motivator was working on, and they've, they've done this with Jesse from Still, and I, I, hopefully they'll offer it wider to the public, but they were doing um, blocks of wood. Um, I don't know what, have you seen them, Randall? They're what, like a, yeah. two inches across and a couple inches long? Um, yep, that right there. Um, and they have that. Yep, those oh, are awesome. Back. This is the Gary on a, Yep, uh, that, and that's 10-year air seasoned oak in right there year. guys yeah. holy that's shit fucking awesome. the, 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 the only thing with this you have to toast it it's not toasted or charred so you make sure oh. you do that because i did one and i just threw the damn wood in it because i was so excited i was like yes i gotta stay oh. threw it in there and i was like it's not doing anything <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> i got, I got and, uh, too excited i've had to pull it out and toast it but but yeah no it's, had- it's uh the, these things work great and and what i would say if you're doing like a half gallon or whatever i would even cut it in half you don't mm-hmm. even need the whole state mm-hmm. because i mean that's mm-hmm. a lot of oak that's a lot of yep. oak and it's going to get influenced it a whole lot um but but yeah that yeah. that's that's what i use a lot and again it's never going to mimic a barrel but you're going to get some good wood sugar and mm-hmm. and stuff out of it so on the on the new american oak i do two of those to two and a half to three gallons is what i throw on there and then again, after after a month or up to three months, I pull half of it out and then let it set another nine months on that other piece, and it does great. And he also, so he Ben had, be, unfortunately, you know, he sent sent that package the day before he passed away. But uh, they have Ambirana versions of yeah. those too. Um, yeah. With with Ambirana, Ooh. Ambirana is the one wood that I will say you can use chips and do okay. But yeah. Ambirana is a wood that you have to keep pulled back as well because ambirana will give uh fucking deer urine fucking smell if you go too far it's funky quick i think it'd be cool to take one of those ambirana ones and do kind of like we do at work um or even if you didn't want to use the the bad mo ambirana barrel but you do ambirana chips or even the the ambirana barrel and then move it over to something else Mm -hmm. and let it let it tone it down a little bit Mm-hmm. I got a uh, buddy I, that just gave me. I'm, I'm sorry. I, my bad. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I did. I thought you was ton. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> go ahead. Finish your up. No, no, no. I, I was going to say I, I'm curious to to see y'all's answers on this pecan wood thing because I've got a question about a different type of wood. But you you go ahead. Then we we can get into that. I got a buddy who just the other day brought me a jar and he put it on some wood just just for a couple days he was like uh i forget what kind of wood it was but he's like try that and it was very like like it was on there a couple days i tried it and and it was like cinnamon and fucking it's like yep. cinnamon toast crunch but it what yeah yep. is that what that is that's amburana kind of oily on the palate yeah, yeah. yep that's amburana yep. And, uh, so the, it's like cinnamon toast crunch, son. It doesn't, it doesn't good. Long. It doesn't take long. The the crazy thing about Ambirana and Alan, is it okay to to name drop a distillery on here? I'm not talking trash, but just I, 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 yeah. Okay, you know how so, I am. They know how for, I feel about but, it. So. Yeah. So uh, Starlight does Ambirana a whole lot, and they call it a cigar bash. Now I'd had one of the first releases of Ambirana. Uh, their cigar batch and I, I didn't like it. it. It was way too much. Alan had some of that one that I, that I, that bottle that I had, 
but I've had other releases that they've done and they're on like their fifth or sixth use. And I'm starting to like it because it's super, super light. It's more comparable Island to what we're doing now yeah. where it's on chips and then back into Oak to where it tones it down a little bit. Yep. But like first, second use of Amburana is oily. It either has to be the first or the, excuse me, it has to be the only thing or the last thing you're last. drinking that day or that night. Because you're, it's going to blow your palate out. You can't have anything else. Oh, and if you wake um, up after drinking that shit with a fucking hangover, Jesus oh God, Christ, you cannot get it out of your mouth. I swear so to God, you'll sweat and you'll be like, why the fuck do I smell like Cinnamon Toast fucking crunch? I figured out why they call it, I, I figured out why they call it cigar bash, though. Like, you wake up the next day and, you, like, your mouth, it's like you just, just smoked 1,500 Swisher Sweets. <laughs> right like that's that's the only reason they call that cigar batch it's a it's a crazy wood too anyway so it's it's a uh, brazilian oak is what it is um and it's a super soft oak and it's also like highly 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 endangered um mm -hmm. everything all of it that we get in the united states people don't realize this so it was used for cachaca uh maturation for a very very long time which is kind of like rum agriculture, just straight up from sugar cane. Um, but all the stuff that we're getting in the United States, it's all like recycled flooring and fucking house siding and yeah. shit like that. That's being shaved down and reused, but you can reuse this stuff literally. I don't know. in it's raw form. Cause you don't really char it or anything necessarily. And it's raw form. You could probably use it five or six times and then you could hit it with a toast and probably use it three or four times. Then you could hit it with a char and use it three or four times. I mean, I've got some chips that, Hell, I probably ran through eight or nine cycles on stuff, yeah. and it's still got that, plenty of flavor. Whenever we dumped that uh, the uh, sparrow barrel back into a new barrel, you'd give me some of those chips or those those cubes, and I've used them a few times on stuff here, mm -hmm. and it's it's still just as still potent. Holding. Now I I do have uh, so you were talking about the reusing the flooring and all that. So eventually. Um, in my mind, I see it happening just like we're doing with, with the white oak now with the short or not so much shortage, but the, the difficulty of finding barrels, eventually Amburana is going to be that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, it already is. You have to, you have to get on a waiting list to get an actual Amburana barrel and they're yeah. about $900 a piece. So they're way up there, but think about the number of times you can use them though again, but, um, I'm curious. So there's another question down here, but first let's do the uh, the pecan wood because I don't know shit about pecan wood. So I do. Me neither. Kay. I do. I do. I have uh, like probably 12 pecan trees at, at in my property, and uh, we had a bad freeze a couple of years ago. You know, Central Texas, we get a bad freeze every 20 years, whatever, and it broke a bunch of limbs off. And so I let I just let I cut them up, let them sit. And then I was like, I wonder, you know, I was using it for barbecue or whatever. And it's a really light smoke, so it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't even like post oak. And so I was like, I wonder what it would do with some liquor on it, you know, and just try it. So I found center wood, you know, it's been sitting out for two years or more. Uh, got center wood cut, uh, did a medium, probably a medium toast, probably uh, 225 for about 45 minutes, maybe. And then uh, did a real light, light uh, uh, char on it and stuck it in some, I don't know if it was corn whiskey or it might have been a corn and wheat mix. Anyway, uh, left it in there for about six months. And it, the flavor on it, it wasn't like pecan, but it was a lot like whenever you eat like walnuts and they give you that kind of, it's a salt, like a saline, 
but yet it's mm-hmm. like waxy, a little yeah. waxy. That that's what it that's what it tasted like. And it was it was not horrible, but I would like to see it obviously in a barrel and you know mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm actually sending. I've been meaning to do it, but I'm actually sending uh, three big old logs to Christopher to make a badmo out of a couple of them, uh, so we can play with play around with that as well. Oh, now, yeah. now it's now it's three and a half years old, so yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll be even better. But yeah. So do you do you think it would work better as like a component? Because I like I tend to think of Amburana that way, like or even some of the the darker French oaks, like mm-hmm. small amounts you blend together with other spirits that are maybe the same spirit maybe they're not but on different oaks and then you yeah. make something really I interesting say, i would say six months maybe a year you know especially in a bad mode you know six months a year after uh, finishing it off in there it's going to give it that nuttiness it's going to give it a good uh uh waxy waxy taste to it which wax, i know waxy sounds weird but, but it gives it a good a good flavor like any good anybody finish. that likes any of the johnny walkers they better like waxiness because it's yeah, in exactly. johnny mm-hmm. walker exactly. it's even in the high-end johnny walkers and that comes yeah. from a particular distillery so, mm-hmm. so what was the t- reason i was i was interested in that question so um other woods so uh my old property over in shoals we still own that, but we're actually going to be selling it here fairly soon. And there are some old plum trees there that'll end up getting cut down. And this is the sentimental side of me, but my dad planted those trees years and years and years ago. And I've, I've thought about whenever we cut those down using those as letting those air season and then toasting those and charring those. Um, just because that's the only thing that they're going to be able to be used for if they don't get tossed over the hills. So has anybody used any type of other, other trees like fruit trees, like plum or apple or anything like that? I've done Peach. a little apple and mulberry in the past, but not, not to mm. a great enough extent to know it was at the, it was at the time before I was really heavily into this. So I don't, you know, I don't know how reliable cool. my memory is or, or my impressions of it were. So. So it, it, if I do that, um, like I said, we're going to have to cut them down anyway, so I just have to be able to get some wood out of there to do it. Mm-hmm. I would honestly, I would probably make a like a, a, a plum brandy mm-hmm. and do that just for the sake of doing it on plum. And like I said, it, it'd be like, a, Alan, the, the bottle of uh, Pachuga that you did, that would be that would be my my Pachuga bottle. That, that'd be my, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. my bottle. Yep. I can, I can tell you, man tell you one to stay away from yeah not not that they're easy to find anyways but at copper and kings uh because they were always just trying to do weird shit so somehow the acquisition guy got a hold of some fucking serbian juniper barrels one time oh god when i say serbian juniper barrel i mean it's made out of the woods of wood of fucking juniper um it was i think he told me about that Yeah. yeah they leak like a fucking sieve all yeah. the time because they have knots in them, etc. And then to make it worse, the owner of Copper and Kings made us put gin in one and absinthe in the other one. And they are the, the two most undrinkable products. So you I'm had gin squared. Yes. You had gin squared is what you had. It was sappy and resinous and like literally it was just it was it was straight up terpene is all it was. That's all it was. Just straight wow. so fucking I- terpene. It, I've never, I've, I've never had that, but for some reason in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the creosote or whenever you have like a, a fireplace, mm-hmm. lick that. That's that's for some reason in my mind, that's what I'm where yeah. I'm going with. So it more like soap, like licking a bar of soap, <sighs> is what it was like. Oh. 
And you know what's crazy? They sold out of fucking both of them, and all the little hipsters, yeah. all the little hipsters down in Butchertown and Louisville were like, "This is great." I'm like, "That is fucking trash," and I made it. <laughs> yeah, you're you are lying to yourself, is what yes. that is. Yes. So. So. Let's uh, one last question. Uh, this is from Mark Solomon. He's a buddy of mine. Uh-huh. Uh, he he's really into gin, and I can't help him because I'm 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 not experienced in gin. I, I want to be, but that's later on down the road. Uh, so I'm I'm presuming that, that he knows what he wants to use for his base alcohol. So what he means is his actual botanical bill for gin. Um, that's that's what I'm presuming. Uh, and I can I can give a rough outline of that, just roughly knowing botanicals, and then and then you guys throw in two or however you want to do it. Um, but it, it's going to depend on what he wants to do. It depends on whether or not he wants to run botanicals in the still or just in a gin basket. Um, in a gin basket, you can get away with a lot lesser amount of botanicals, but the flavor will not be as intense. Um, so my preference is almost always to run botan most botanicals, but not all in the still. Um, so roughly I'll just give, just throw some amounts out there, some basic things. So like juniper, probably 60 grams per gallon. This is going to be at 80 proof maceration, take it up to hundred degrees for an hour and then let it set for 24 hours before you distill it. So 80 grams, 70 to 80 grams per gallon of juniper, maybe eight to 10 grams of angelica roots, maybe five grams of licorice roots, um, I actually, even though you're not really supposed to throw citrus into the maceration, it usually goes into the gin basket. I like to throw it into the maceration and on pretty much any citrus between five and 20 grams per gallon. Um, and you actually get some really interesting flavor bridging when you use things like lime pill and lemon pill and grapefruit pill uh, and bitter orange and sweet orange together. And it goes kind of like a marmalade sort of flavor. Um, caraway and coriander around 40 to 50 grams per gallon. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other more common ones that people are interested in. Uh, you could throw a little bit of anise in there, like green anise, if you wanted to. Um, keep it on the low side, maybe around three to five grams per gallon. Um, and just just those ingredients alone, I mean, that's a fairly complex gin, but you can you can keep adding and keep adding to it. Uh, anything floral that you want to add, I would put that in the gin basket. Um, Lavender always sounds like a good idea. It never distills like a good idea. It tastes like fucking soap when you distill it. Um, jasmine actually distills fairly well. Um, honeysuckle distills extremely well, and you can gather that locally. Um, I tend to, to dry it out in the dehydrator at like 90 degrees for 24 hours, and I'll throw just a fucking hand. I don't care if it's three-gallon still. I'll throw a fucking full handful of honeysuckle in the gin basket on that motherfucker. I don't even measure it. Um Elderberry flower, some parts of the United States, they may not, they may just still be flowering right now. Here, they're pretty much done flowering, but they have an interesting kind of earthy aroma. Um, with those, sometimes I'll throw them in at, you know, 15, 20 grams per gallon in a gin basket uh, if I wanted a little earthier sort of flavor to it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's just some rough numbers there generally. But for anybody that's interested in that kind of stuff too, um, the new Alchemist cabinet book, the volume two that we have at the alchemistcabinet.com yeah. in the warehouse has got a bunch of botanical recipes in it. And then part three, which I'm working on now, will have about fucking 15 times that many botanical recipes in it. So, so it, can you get it online as like a PDF? Can you purchase it that way? So you can't get it as a PDF. It's a, it's a hard copy. You can either get off Amazon. And I think the link for that is on the alchemistcabinet.com mm -hmm. or 
you can order through us. We get it sent here from the printer. And then if you want it signed, I can sign it for you. We make more money if you buy it directly from us, et cetera. And then it becomes a more personalized sort of thing. Um, if it shows that it's out of stock on the website at any point in time, just shoot us a message and we'll get some new ones ordered and we'll get it put up where you guys can order it. Um, I'm not very good at plugging myself, so I always forget to do that. But you can, there's the Alan Bishop Experience DVD that Bo Cumberland did is on there. If you've not seen it, it's fucking hilarious. It's fucking stupid is what it is, but it's fucking hilarious. Um, and then there's a, a historic talk I did up at Salem, Indiana uh, about the history of distilling in southern Indiana. Oh, grain base. Okay, I think 25 wheat, 25 corn, 25 spelt, and 25 malted barley. Spelt's interesting. Uh, I don't see anything there that would argue with the, with it back and forth. Um, you know, uh, the decision-making comes from how you're going to distill that base, right? If you're going to single-pass that with a thumper and use it as an actual whiskey to make your gin, which almost goes Genevieve territory, or if you're going to... Uh, you know, if you're going to make your gin off of a, take your, make your low wines, uh, and then make your gin off those low wines, or if you're going to take and do a double distillation with, uh, rectification, take it up to 170, right? So my opinion is the following. If you want the flavor of that base alcohol to come through, don't be afraid to use something that has a little more flavor that you can build off of with your botanicals. Do a straight-up double pot still distillation off of it. Cut your heads, cut your tails, keep your hearts, and then do your gin. And then you'll have the best of all the above. So, Yeah. Well, guys, I, I appreciate all you guys being on. Oh, yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, I'm, now that I'm propagating wild yeast, I'm getting to the point where the volume's big enough where I want to start getting rid of some of the liquid. Do I want to crop the bottom? Where the yeast has fallen, get rid of the top and replace it with a sugar solution, so I can keep building up to the point where I have a, a solid, like a good layer at the bottom, and then I can throw that in the fridge and feed it like once a week or so. Is that a good? So yeah, the the way like with liquid that I usually propagate is I let it get going for about 24 or 36 hours before I use it if I'm going to pitch it into something. And to give you an idea of volume, so it work. Three gallons will kick off 600 gallons of mash. It sounds crazy, but it'll kick it off. It'll be going within 12 hours if you have a good yeast strain. Um, but what I usually do if I'm propagating is I immediately, like, I'll take the old yeast, I pour off half the liquid, and then I just add new liquid to uh -huh. that. And that's uh -huh. how I do it every time, so I'm maintaining the same volume over time. Um, yeah. If you don't want to waste any, what you could do is pour off pour off all of your liquid and then take that slurry mm -hmm. at the bottom and dry it down. Um, and then you have a shelf stable version that can be used as a powder. I pretty much started with no yeast. So I, I'm still building it up to where there's barely any particles get, at the bottom. Yeah. yeah so I, I'm, I'm just now getting it to where I'm at a, a large enough liquid where I can pour off enough to replace it. But I just yep. wanted to know once I get a cake at the bottom, should I just, you know, put that in the fridge and feed it once a week or so? Yeah, that's that's what I would do. Um, and honestly, once it goes in the fridge, if you close it off from air completely, if you put it in there after it gets I have the jars that have uh, the little silicone top thing, so I don't really gotta yep. worry about it. Yeah, so then you don't even have to feed it because once once it's once it's in that fridge and it doesn't have any it's air to it, it's gonna go sleep, dormant. Asleep, basically. Yeah. Yep. And though we've had them last, you can reliably have them last for up to six months, but we have had them last sleep. like at work for up to a year. So. Awesome. That mulberry yeast I collected is working hard. 
and it's creating alcohol like crazy. I think that's going to be an awesome, uh, awesome yeah. yeast strain. If I don't ever contribute anything else to the community other than the fucking yeast propagation thing, I'm pretty fucking proud of that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Fucking <clears throat> break all the yeast makers. Don't ever buy yeast again. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I basically just bought one pack of each kind and I'm going to propagate it from there. Uh, I don't need to buy any more after that. Yeah, with, and with distilling, it's not like brewing or winemaking. You don't got to be crazy clean with it either. So, you know, if it, no. if, it, if it mutates, the chances are it's mutating to match whatever its environment it is, which is the way that you exactly. distill. You know, it's the same as saving seeds from a garden. The seeds kind of cultivate the farmer as much as the farmer cultivates the seeds. So, yep. mm -hmm. hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate all you guys being on. I, this is so awesome that it went into double time. It went past double yeah. time. <laughs> we you I get a bunch of distilling good... geeks together, and we just fucking we'll go, dude. Yeah, we'll we'll just, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> fucking two hours and eleven minutes. This is a good podcast, I think. Um, yeah, I think mm -hmm. we should do it again sometime. I, I don't absolutely, know you guys... I'm oh, up yeah. for it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's oh, a lot yeah. of shit we didn't we didn't touch on that we can certainly touch on for sure. And you know, you do them a couple times, and you start getting more people coming out of the woodwork and asking questions. So, yeah, mm -hmm. hell yeah, but cool. Well, yeah, let us know, it, man. Uh, I'll uh, if you guys have any info on your 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 uh, pages and your websites, anything you guys want, uh, send me a message, and I'll put it on on everything on the live. I'll put it in the description. I'll put it on my wall, uh, everywhere I'm at, and I'll share it. Yeah. So just let me know, cool. guys. Real real yeah. quick here, two things. So first thing, I just want to thank everybody in the home distilling and moonshining community. I don't care which side they identify with. It doesn't matter to me, but for supporting one piece at a time. Uh, it's fucking awesome because I learned a lot of shit from doing that show, and I'm greatly, greatly appreciative of the support that I've gotten from that. It's not a huge audience. It doesn't have to be a huge audience. It's a dedicated audience. Secondarily, because I have to constantly pimp this because I'm good at the distillation shit and really bad at promoting everything else. If you're at all into the paranormal or the 14 or the weird, get with me and listen to if you have ghosts, you have everything on whatever podcast platform you want to. Or if you have stories about that kind of shit, reach out to me. I'd love to have you on the show because it is hard to drag those stories out of fucking people. Yep. My wife would be into that. I'm going to turn her on to that for yeah, sure. Do it. Please do. Appreciate it. Randall's so been on there. <laughs> yep, Justin's been, on, been on there. Yeah, real quick, I just want to introduce Tiffany. No, say hi. Uh, she's the one that the. Uh, you can't hear what Alan's saying. What the hell is Alan? He says he loves you. You're bullshit. I love you too, but I know that's not what you said. <laughs> you're, so, you're so pretty. So this this is the wonderful lady that the the, the events for on Tuesday. So she appreciates everything that everybody's going to be doing. So. Yes, I do. Hell yeah. Right. Send me links awesome. and I'll post that here in just a minute. We'll I see you guys. Thanks for being on. Yep. Thanks, Thanks for, for watching, your help, guys. Pleasure, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. See y'all. Keep your spirits up.